For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Well, so much in the papers this morning, uh, and much of, of course, uh, Leaside related. Uh, front page of the Echo talks this morning of the tears for Bruna at the vigil um, at the weekend. Of course, she lost her life violently, died violently on New Year's Day. Um, it's just so sad, uh, the short life of uh, Bruna Fonseca. But there was somewhat of a celebration of her short life as she was remembered at the vigil at the lock uh, at the weekend. Uh, over 200 people attended. It was a prayer service, but it also uh, was a, a wonderful experience where people held white candles and roses. Um, and, uh, you know, there was, there was a table uh, bearing the Brazilian flag as well. And people had beautiful things to say about the late Bruno Fonseca, including Brazilian national Gabriela Lobianca. Uh, who said that she was a much-loved young woman who had moved to Cork last year to study and to work. And, of course, one of the sentiments that was expressed, and sadly, all too often it has to be expressed, is that violence against, uh, violence against women has no race or nationality. It's a worldwide issue. And really, even Michal Martin was saying uh, at the weekend uh, that, you know, not, not that a politician should be telling us what we already know, what's right and wrong in the world, but it must end and we have to change in that regard. The star picks up on that story where they remember Bruna as a beloved daughter, sister, friend, a hard worker and a dreamer uh, who paid the ultimate price. Uh, her short life snuffed out at the age of 28. So that do- dominates um, the front pages. story that's been dominating online news right across the weekend and indeed uh, many of the print papers again this morning is the sad and indeed tragic passing of uh, Paddy Palmer, 65-year-old Paddy, originally a carry man, but for many years uh, worked on uh, C103, uh, the sister station of uh, 96 FM, uh, and of course he uh, died at the weekend, if you've been following the story. And as they say in this morning's Echo, his loss will be deeply felt by all who knew him. And my God, the amount of people that knew him. It's just extraordinary. And rightly so that he should be talked about and remembered this morning as as the great commentator that he was. He just absolutely oozed GAA. There was nothing he didn't know, although he had a wonderful manner about him in the sense that he, he just got on with it and it just literally flowed from his tongue. He survived by his wife, Colette, daughters, Claire, Emily, brothers, Dennis, Richie and John, grandson, Lucas, and an enormous um, circle of friends and our thoughts are with them all and, and personally speaking on behalf of all of us here our thoughts are with uh, all of those at uh, C103 former colleagues of mine and indeed at uh, 96FM this morning because it's just so so tragic as we know um, he was uh, he was uh, hit in a hit and run now a 33 year old man uh, has appeared in court charged in connection with the hit and run incident in Inishannon on the 29th of December last, he'll appear at Bandon District Court again on the on the nineteenth. But as the star puts it this morning, tears uh, for Paddy. And before the court will be Baudan um, Berzivsky uh, of uh, Balanhasik, charged with four counts relating to the alleged hit and run that led to Paddy's death uh, in Inishannon on December thirtieth. That's when the hit and run happened, and that includes failing to offer assistance at the scene of a crash to the injured party failing to report the occurrence, failing to keep the vehicle at the place of the occurrence uh, and failing to stop. Um, It's so, so sad. Um, You know the story that we've been covering about Matt O'Neill who was struggling literally to survive at the CUH following that attack on him at the back end of last month, 29-year-old Matt O'Neill. 
he has passed away um, following the assault at Glenwood Estate in Carrigal Line. Um, and uh, two teenagers have appeared in court in connection with the incident and they were charged with assault causing harm. Now, Matt O'Neill sadly has subsequently died 11 days after that assault and that makes the red tops today. And unfortunately, more sad news with the death of really and truly a wonderful musician and a great corkman and a man that always had the biggest beaming smile anytime I met him and great for the old chat of course, the late Jack Briarley uh, has passed away and the echo carries that in many of the papers do today at the age of 91. And he just absolutely lived for music and could go back decades musically. Not only was he a great performer, fabulous singer, had a terrific repertoire, great piano player, uh, but he also wrote so many great songs himself. And for those that remember it, those of you that would be Eurovision anoraks, uh, himself and George Crosby, Crosby wrote a song called Kinsale years ago. Actually, one of the lines is Mending My Nets in Kinsale. And it was sang by uh, Pat Lynch. Didn't Pat Lynch play with the air chords way back in the day? Uh, but it didn't manage to make it through uh, the national finals, but it was a great song nonetheless. But it didn't deter the great Jack Barley because he went on then to write another Eurovision entry that actually was Ireland's entry in 1973. And that was uh, Do I Dream? And it entered the 1973 Eurovision Song Contest and was performed by Maxi, and it came 10th. And Jack always said that uh, it was one of his favourite songs to perform and why wouldn't it be be proud of it he wrote it himself he passed away at the weekend and our thoughts are with all of the family very very sad uh, seeing some stats coming in now particularly from over the Christmas they're talking about 63 Cork drivers arrested on suspicion of intoxication or being drunk behind the wheel of the car so that's the stat for Cork uh, over the Christmas period there are the four lifesavers that the Gardaí continue to target one of course uh, intoxicated drivers the other one's speeding, another one using the mobile phone while driving, and another one, extraordinarily, is the amount of people who still will not wear seatbelts. And other stats that are out, unfortunately, we don't do well out of it with regards to uh, litter. When you look at the national um, league table now, Cork City and Mahan perform very, very badly. Could there be any worse? Um, probably not. Um, Cork City Centre comes in right down at the end of the league table, third last as being littered. The only one worse than Dub- Cork City is Dublin's North Inner City. But unfortunately, the worst of all happens to be Mahan. Um, so there's a, a stat in a league tag- table makes the um, uh, litter league tables in the mail this morning. But the examiner takes a closer look at it and they say, yeah, Cork City Centre and Mahan, two of Ireland's rubbish black spots. Uh, with the uh, situation uh, at the um, South City suburb of Mahan deteriorating year on year. And Cork City, of course, also needs to hang its head in shame, uh, littered, which is, you know, well, it's, all, it's, it's the people who, who use the city that are doing the littering. It's man-made, woman-made, child-made, whatever you have from yourself. And, and the papers this morning continue over, now I'll come back to this in a few minutes' time, the issue regarding health and welfare and our hospitals and our emergency departments, uh, but also the different illnesses that are around. We've got a nationwide surge now in respiratory illnesses, right? So you've got COVID going on, you've got seasonal flu, which is a particularly nasty flu this winter time, and of course you've also got the worry that many would have, particularly with regards to the children, uh, regarding the severe throat infection, strep A. So there's been a run 
on pharmacies. Um, and when people hear that there could be shortages, they tend to stock up. So all of that has happened now. And there's actually a genuine fear uh, that pharmacists and chemists could even run out of Calpol. Um, there's at least 200 different medicines from pharmacies now that they have run out of. And others then, they only have a stock that will only last another few weeks. So you're looking at things like paracetamol, ibuprofen, uh, the majority of cough bottles, particularly for dry coughs, they just can't get them. That's the story that makes the papers today while they also look in the Irish Times uh, with regards to the state of our health service year on year. Um, and extraordinarily, they're talking about trying to discharge more more patients. And in fairness, uh, whatever was going on in hospitals over the weekend, particularly in Cork, they managed to get more people out of hospital who are ready to go out of hospital um, and get them home or into step-down facilities. But the Times this morning says that there are hundreds still in hospital who shouldn't be in there. Uh, while there's 1,000 care home beds just sitting empty. Now, I'll come back to that and indeed the trolley watch figures in a few minutes' time. But one of the worrying things was the INMO General Secretary, Phil Hay yesterday uh, on national radio saying that nurses um, are experiencing assaults every day. They're, they're, they're cataloguing at least 11 assaults on nurses every single day. And all too often, she is saying this is going unreported. I know we have spoken about this in the past, particularly within the emergency department, where people just get so fed up, the tempers are frayed, people get anxious, they get frustrated, and they're taking it out on the wrong people. I mean, all day long, uh, you could be talking about people who have experiences in the A&E, which are absolutely appalling. But never, ever anybody criticizing those that are running around literally on a, on a trot for their whole shift trying to do the best they can. And then um, this is uh, insane, absolutely insane. If you were to book an NCT test for your motor car, say now or as I know full well with a family member last month, right? You would be lucky to get an NCT appointment from May, perhaps June or July of this year. Hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, But they break it down county by county now. Two different things. The amount of people who are waiting for an NCT test, with a wait list now, you'll be driving around like something like 200,000. Is it 200,000 or 300,000 other motors on our roads now with out-of-date NCT discs on them? So you'll be waiting at least six months. Apparently, they are finding it impossible to get mechanics. So much so that the Independent this morning says um, that they're bringing in and hiring staff mechanics and what have you from the Philippines. So more on this a little later on this morning, particularly if you have an NCT wait of five, six, or indeed seven months. And there's another breakdown then. It's to do with NCT pass rates. Cork City and County languages is around the kind of like 50 to 55% pass rate, right? Could be better, I guess. You know, there are places like Killarney's got a a 60% pass rate, but it could be an awful lot worse. You could be up in Cavan, where they've only a 42% pass rate, for instance. So we languish around 51, 52, 53, 54. Best place to pass, apparently, is uh, is Little Island, which comes in at nearly 59%. Oh, I'm I'm wrong on Blarney, actually. That also comes in tied in and around 59%. The best place to pass an NCT, Little Island or Blarney. So more on that with regards to the NCT a little later on. I don't have time right now to drill in to uh, Roy Keane's um, appearance on the Tommy Tiernan show at the weekend. Haven't seen it, but I will watch it later on. 
but he's the guy that keeps on giving story after story after story. He deals with the Afi Holland incident. He, he deals with growing up in Mayfield, but he also talks very funnily about his first date with his uh, wife, uh, Teresa, um, and how she uh, got out of the car, slammed the door, and he thought he'd never see her again after the first date. So that's very funny. So more on that a little later on this morning. And just to big up what I was saying last week with regards to a lot of the time, the thing that runs out fastest in a pub on a busy night in a night or a nightclub is alcohol-free beer, particularly the Heineken Zero. Heineken must be coining it with Zero, zero alcohol-free Heineken. Uh, but for better or for worse, we used to be known as a nation of beer lovers. But now, apparently, we need to rethink that because we are absolutely loving uh, Zero Zero and alcohol-free booze. They do a comparison, actually, with regards to, say, 2017, when there was only like 1.7 million litres of the stuff Jump ahead four years and it goes to five and a half million litres of alcohol-free beer. So it's tripled in three years. People love being able to remember the next day, I suppose, but also to be able to drive home and the freedom of not having to wake up with a hangover or sick. They just love that. And talking about pubs, hats off, congratulations, big round of applause for Cronin's in Carrigaline. Beautiful pub. Absolutely what all pubs should look like. Cronin's in Carrigaline. Going from strength to strength because it has been named the best pub in Ireland. Um, sorry, did I say Carrigaline? My sincerest apologies. I'm losing my mind. Starts with a C, but it's actually Crosshaven. Wouldn't you think I'd know? I've been in there often enough. So Georgina Campbell's awards around St. Cronin's uh, pub, Crosshaven, the 2022 pub of the year. It's just an absolute joy outside and inside. Any time of the year, but particularly gorgeous when the sun is shining and you can sit outdoors. So well done to all of the family and well done to Cronin's in Crosshaven. The Neil Prenderville Show. Gold winner for interactive speech program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks Red FM. Uh, you can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I just want to jump straight into this because he's under an awful lot of pressure and I'm very much obliged to Liam Conway who's the INMO Cork rep, particularly for the CUH. Represents nurses here on Leaside. He's taking some time to chat with us this morning just to fill us in on how things are going. So Liam, thank you so much. I know it's a crazy time for you. Thanks for taking the call. Can you hear me all right? I can. Good morning, Neil. How, how, how bad is it, say, comparison to this time last year? Because we know of this pressure on hospitals and particularly on the emergency departments, but we know of COVID and we know of the flu and we know of strep. It's putting on merciful pressure on. It's much, much worse than, say, last winter, right? Absolutely, Neil, and I suppose it was the worst week on record uh, last week in terms of trolleys, um, patients are waiting long, long periods of time in emergency departments, sitting in chairs, waiting on trolleys, inappropriately being cared for in overcrowded emergency departments. And our members have felt that as well. They stand with the patients, um, and I suppose the conditions are inhumane. At present, we've seen people widely reporting over 50 hours last week uh, waiting to be seen or admitted. Um, so it has been a desperate, desperate week um, and a very, very poor reflection of where the health service is at at, at at the moment. And and you talk about how patients and those wishing to use the services are feeling and their delays. But how are the nurses dealing with this? Well, we know the, the level of burnout is extremely high at the moment. And I suppose the level of danger for our members at present um, in emergency departments and across um, our wards as well is very, very high. Um, staffing um, is, is a huge difficulty and challenge at the moment. But trying to staff an, an overcrowded department as well, um, it's just near to impossible. 
Um, it's simply dangerous, and I suppose our members... In what, when you um, say dangerous, just talk to me about dangerous. In what way? Well, we know, for example, we have a blueprint for safe staffing for our emergency departments and our, and our medical and surgical wards. That is a safe staffing framework. The government and the HSC have failed to implement that across all of our medical and surgical wards and our emergency departments. It is only implemented in some pilot sites. I suppose it's very, very important to say to the listeners, if you implement safe staffing, so if you have the right amount of nurses and other allied healthcare professionals in these areas, you actually increase the better outcomes for patients. What we see at the moment is we see um, a very, very high risk, and we know that the evidence is that when you have overcrowded environments, you increase the risk associated to patients in terms of comorbidities, you increase the length of their stay, you increase the risk to, to delirium uh, for dementia patients and the role of person as well. And you simply, um, it's, it, it's degrading. I suppose that's what our members are reporting. Um, they are finding it extremely, extremely challenging. They can't deliver the safe and effective care that they're trained to do in these environments at present. Uh, degrading, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Because it's not what they would have been, uh, it's not what they would have signed up to be nurses to do, of course. But is it a case that we haven't got enough nurses? Well, it's, it's twofold, I suppose. What we've seen um, over the last week, it, it's nothing new, it was predicted. And we've been calling this uh, uh, on behalf of our members since July of, of, of this uh, of the year just gone. This has been, a, a, I suppose, a, a serious problem ongoing and it's been getting worse from chronic uh, in, uh, lack of investment in bed capacity. So we know for, for the last decade here in Cork, for example, that we need step-down facilities here in the city. We need additional um, beds, we need additional rehab beds. The government have been talking about building an elective hospital. There isn't a foundation laid yet. So I suppose that's where you have your core issue in terms of bed capacity. And yes, we do need more nurses. We need more nurses in our acute hospitals. We need more nurses in, in the community. And we need more midwives. For example, we know that there's 50 vacancies in Cork University Maternity Hospital. So there is a, a, a two-pronged approach to this. Why can't they fill so, them, Liam? Well, I suppose, Neil, if you're talking about um, the conditions that our members are experiencing yeah. at present, that's why nurses and midwives have said enough is enough. They're standing with their patients and they're standing up for themselves and they're clearly saying they will not go through another winter that they are, they're currently experiencing. And it's down to the lack of investment and the lack of a plan from the government and the HSE. So those conditions are not conducive to retention and are not conducive to recruitment of nurses and midwives. You, you are probably aware of the statistic I gave them out in the air last week with regards to nurses. Uh, the Australian Bureau of Statistics shows that there was 1,555 new Irish nurses joined the Australian Health Service in 2021. Um, 1,800 more joined in 2022. And the total for Irish nurses who left Ireland in 10 years uh, up to 2017 was 20,000 nurses, Liam. It's a staggering number. Yeah, I think need as well as a couple of a couple of um, issues there as well. I suppose you've got to factor in that a, a lot of our uh, nurses uh, and midwives that do train here in Ireland domestically do tend to go abroad their initial stages of their career and do come back. So I suppose it'd be interesting to see what the, the figures are in terms of people returning as well. But I think the reality is, I think the current conditions, um, without having legislation here for safe staffing, I think it's important to say to the listeners as well, when you staff a ward safely, you increase the um, retention levels of, of nurses and midwives. So nurses will stay in their environment that they're currently employed in 
if the environment is safe. So that, that makes it about pay problem. and conditions, doesn't it? Give them the proper working conditions and pay them properly. Well, I think it, the, the, the big issue for our members at present um, really is, Neil, is the conditions. And I think the, the environment, we've seen it's well documented this week, the conditions are really, really poor. They're unsafe. And our members feel that they're trying to care for patients in, in, a, in a desperately difficult environment. And, you know, it's the patients that are suffering and our staff, they're concerned for their safety. But I think it, it is really important to state that um, there is a number of other factors as well that are contributing to um, nurses and midwives leaving as well. And, and, and they're well documented as well around housing as well. But I think one, one point... Yeah, cost of living issues, I, I accept that, yeah. I mean, because I'm hearing as well regularly that they're going home worn out. They're going home upset. They're going home crying in their cars. They're anxious. Yeah, and I, I think that that's to do with the you know the concern around care and care not being done or care being delayed. And I think look, it's outside of nurses and midwives' control. The employer has left them in in this position. The government has left them in this position. Nurses and midwives have been calling out this since the trolley count ever began. And the only most article on the trolleys, you know, uh, Mary Harney called it a crisis. Uh, back in 2006 when there was, there was 400 patients in the trolleys, we've seen nearly 1,000 patients last week and we've seen a number of, of, of health ministers fail to address the trolley crisis. So our members have clearly um, said uh, as of Friday, our executive council has met, that we're beginning a period of, of consultation with our members uh, in relation to industrial action because they're standing with patients they know patients aren't getting the best care because of the conditions that they're they're being put through, and our members are saying enough is enough. And is that is that possible move towards a nursing strike being bolstered by the fact that that's exactly what nurses did in the UK, Liam? No, absolutely not. It's completely independent. And I suppose, look, um, we had our strike in 2019 because of uh, a pay, uh, and, and that was that was uh, that issue. And I suppose that the current issue really is the conditions. So I suppose, look. Um, the UK has its own particular issues and I suppose from our perspective the state has failed to address the concerns, the governments have failed in each, in each government that has committed power over the last 15-20 years has failed to implement appropriate safe staffing and I suppose our members are seeing very very clearly now there needs to be legislation underpinning safe staffing, we need additional beds and you know nursing homes are enough that there's a thousand beds available in the private sector in the last number of days um, it's interesting to see the numbers have dropped and we're not... Yeah, it's interesting. At the, what happened at the weekend then, for instance, and I don't know how much of this applies to the CUH or the Mercy, where the numbers of patients discharged um, went, went way up. They, they managed to get more out over the weekend. Is it that Was that to do with more staff came in or, or, or what? Well, I think the question honestly has to be asked of the government, uh, Neil, and it has to be asked of the HSE. I suppose they knew this crisis was coming. And it took a critical point last week and a lot of people, a lot of patients suffering, a lot of staff working in, in, in desperate conditions who can't care for the patients as the way they should be because of the conditions. And it took a, you know, a, a number of, of days of, of, I suppose, record-breaking trolleys before the HSC and the government went into an actual emergency response and we've seen a decrease. Our members are not lauding that. There's still 50 patients on trolleys in Cork uh, University Hospital and the Mercy combined today with 15 in Kerry. So the conditions are it's still down, there, But it is down, isn't it then? That's down. But uh, the question has to be asked to the government, why didn't they take action no. before yeah. Christmas? I suppose it's taken record-breaking numbers. And I suppose this issue isn't going away, Neil. We don't have enough beds. We don't have enough staff. 
And that's why I remember just saying, they are not going through this again next winter. Okay, so is there a... What will, are you saying, did Phil Nihay say yesterday, your General Secretary, that they'll be balloting nurses as to whether they should strike? Is, is that the, the next move now? Well, we're beginning a period of consultation with our members over the next number of weeks and uh, we'll be led by our members and our members are reporting, you know, high levels of burnout, um, dangerous workplaces, um, inhumane treatment of patients. Um, they're concerned about the care they're delivering, they're concerned about the patients uh, and they're concerned about their colleagues. Um, this, this practice can continue, Neil. I think, look... I understand. No, I just, I just want because my next question to that is if you are now talking to your members about the possibility of industrial action, wouldn't you, if there was a strike, you would be obliged to have some level of safe care in place though, wouldn't you? Well, nurses and midwives have never abandoned patients uh, in any strike. And yeah. I think, look, um, that's a discussion that we'll have with parties if we get to that point. But I suppose, look, it, it, we have to be very, very clear um, to, to the public here today. Um, it is in the interest of patients and the public that something is drastically done and nurses and midwives are standing up and saying enough is enough. Um, they will not go through a period um, like they've experienced th- th- over the last week again. Um, we can clearly see that when shoulders are put to the wheel from a governmental perspective and the HSC senior leadership, um, we've seen a dramatic drop in the numbers of, of patients on trolleys. And I think that that is something that's been clearly lacking over the last number of weeks. There's been a, a plan that has been ineffective, a plan that hasn't been actioned, uh, actioning a winter plan in January is absolutely ludicrous. No, it's uh, you crazy. You do it in any other industry. Yeah. So I think, you know, we have to call it out as it is. It's not good enough. It's not good enough for our members and it's definitely not good enough if you're inside any emergency department at present or you need access to healthcare because it's not just only the emergency department. It's access to any healthcare out of hours at the moment. And, you know, also, yeah, also I I did notice or I did see that um, there was a a statistic of 11, on average, 11 assaults per day of nurses. Uh, I'm assuming they're physical because there would be an awful lot more of those would be verbal abuse, right? That's difficult to deal with in in a working condition that you haven't created yourself. Yeah, and I think, look, it is a symptom of the um, the environment and the, the, the highly pressurised environment and the frustrated, um, I suppose, consumer, which is the patient, when they come into to the, the health service. And I think, look, it's completely unacceptable. And uh, no no worker uh, and no nurse or midwife should be going into the workplace and being assaulted, whether that's physical or verbal. And, um, you know, the, the employers need to take further um, lengths to protect staff in these environments. And I think, it, you know, we have to look at um, ensuring that if people are assaulted, that um, everything is done to ensure that that is prevented going forward. But also it's not good enough for people um, to assault staff and to get away, get away with it as well. So I suppose there's a, there's a multi, multi-factor yeah. Um, yeah. attitude that needs to change yeah. um, and no, no worker should go to work and be assaulted. So the consultation then with nurses, how long will that take before a decision will be made as to whether a strike is looming? Well, I remember, we will be beginning this uh, this week over the next couple of weeks to discuss uh, with our members, I suppose, the course of action that we will now take. And again, to, to reiterate to the listeners, this is about patient safety, yep. this is about yep. safety in, 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 our, in our public uh, health service. You know, it's, it's not just emergency departments, it's our medical and surgical wards, it's our maternity services. Um, the pressure um, has been sustained. Um, it's not COVID-related. This is a chronic issue going on for the last decade. And our members are saying simply, enough is enough. Let's legislate for safe staffing. Let's provide safe care for our patients uh, when we're nursing uh, um, nursing them. 
at present in emergency departments and let's, let's ensure that we deliver a better health service and we don't have you know, 900 patients on trolleys next January. Okay, Liam, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. We'll watch it with interest. Liam Conway is the INMO Cork rep for uh, CUH uh, nurses on Leaside. Uh, text 0868104106. Back after the break, and if you think that politicians uh, take this seriously, uh, think again. Uh, there's some audio that I'm going to play for you. It's actually uh, RTE audio that was put together over the weekend of various health ministers all saying the same. Uh, to a large extent, unglorified BS when you look back at a lot of it. Its audio goes back to 2006 when Mary Harney was was health minister. Not just her, all of the subsequent ones as well. So we'll get that in calls after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. OK, would you also please mention the lab staff that work within our health system? They also need to be considered. You increase capacity, but where's the work supposed to go? Every single test is done via the labs and we still haven't gotten pay parity from the strike last year. We are a forgotten profession. It's a very important text, of course, because a lot of the time, whatever's wrong with you will be identified in the lab with those working in the lab uh, doing their job. Um, so back in 2006, uh, Mary Harney was the health minister at the time. And we had um, similar problems within our health system, regardless of how much money you seem to throw at it. It has made absolutely no difference, certainly since 2006. And it's only got worse. And here we are now in the winter at the start of 2023. So have a listen to these. This is uh, 2006, the Health Minister, Mary Harney. We've got to use whatever capacity exists in this state and deal with this as a national emergency because it is not acceptable to me or to any decent person that elderly people in particular are lying on trolleys overnight on corridors in accident and emergency departments. Nothing got done. It just got worse. In 2011... The health minister was James Riley. I said before that we would solve the waiting list crisis within three years of coming into power. So that remains a commitment that I still undertake. Um, and I've made a commitment also that we will not see 569 people on trolleys again. No, we didn't. We saw an awful lot more. So that was a commitment that was not delivered on. Again, nothing was done. Leo Varadkar was health minister in 2015. So it is indefensible that anyone should spend uh, more than 24 hours in an emergency department. Uh, unfortunately, uh, on any given day, uh, there could be 30 or 40 people uh, who spend more than 24 hours uh, in an emergency department. Uh, 24 hours? Try 72 hours. We had last week with a 70-year-old Cork woman. That was when Leo Varadkar was health minister in 2015. Then Simon Harris stepped up to the plate, uh, plate as health minister in 2017. Did anything change? Did it, heck is like. I really am sorry for Irish patients and indeed for their staff working in our hospitals, the experience and the conditions that they're having to put up with at the moment. It isn't acceptable. The health service must do better. And I want to see absolutely everything done to try and improve this situation. But it wasn't done. It didn't happen. Things just got worse. So then uh, to our current health minister, Stephen Donnelly, who was tackled uh, over the last few days on RTE. Well, we're joined now by the current Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly. Good evening, Minister. Thanks for uh, joining us. Our viewers are going to be looking at that. They're going to be thinking this uh, story is a hardy perennial. It's just as traditional as the Christmas tree and it's just as predictable. I think so. And I, I think what the package there shows is that this is something that the Irish Health Service uh, has been dealing with for, for many, many years. So, And yet it's worse than ever. It, it is worse than ever. However, we do have 
a unique context this year. There's a perfect storm this year of COVID, flu and RSV. We're seeing right around Europe some of the best resourced healthcare systems, some of the best run healthcare systems in Europe under similar pressures. And, and that, is, uh, um, uh, that is true, and that is a, a plausible enough argument, except that this was predicted. The twindemic certainly was predicted as far back as July. Tony Fitzpatrick of the INMO, unless we see a hospital-by-hospital plan to tackle overcrowding, we are in for a very bleak winter in Irish hospitals, which will see nurses and patients in extremely unsafe circumstances. That alarm was raised in July. Oh, and, and including by me, we were talking about a perfect storm. We watched what was happening in places so like Australia. So it was entirely predicted. You predicted it. Yeah. And why are we still facing this problem? Well, th- the ability to predict it does not mean that you can, in six months or even in three years, um, deal with legacy capacity deficits that we've seen in the package there. So we know uh, that there hasn't been sufficient capacity in the Irish healthcare system for a very long time. So what are we doing? Uh, We are expanding capacity in the public service uh, at a level that has never before been seen. It's extraordinary, actually, that the man is pretty much saying that it's not the system's fault, it's the sickness's fault. It's like saying uh, the best that we can hope for now is that we cross our fingers and hope in the winter that people won't get sick. All right. So three Hail Marys, cross your fingers, cross your legs, whatever else, and let's just hope for the best. That's where we're at. So that's a significant um, comment from um, uh, Stephen Donnelly, particularly when he said he predicted it was going to get bad last July. Uh, but yet, the emergencies that they put in recently to get people out of hospital, discharge them faster, only happened this weekend, the second weekend of January. To the phone lines we go, Amy, my apologies for holding you for so long. Thank you for your patience. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, you went in Friday. Where was that? CUH? Uh, Mercy. Okay. Mercy. Okay. And clearly you would have gone through your doctor first and perhaps South Doc? Yeah, so I, I called South Doc um, and now I had chest pain and, and uh, difficulty breathing so I knew they were going to send me in. Um, so while I was waiting for the, the nurse to call me back from South Dock, I actually started packing a bag. Um, the nurse called me back and said, oh, because of my symptoms and, and what I was saying was wrong, um, that they're going to send an ambulance. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be here for hours at home waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my initial thought. Um, I live in the middle of nowhere, really bad back roads. Um, the ambulance would have come from 30 minutes away and it took them about 40 minutes overall to get to me. That was from the time being dispatched. Now, that's that's um, reasonably fast to a rural area like yours. Yes, yeah, yeah, it is. To be honest, as I say, I was expecting, you know, to be waiting probably about two hours. Um, they they arrived anyway, they, they checked me out. Now, I had actually called South Dock. I was like, look, I have somebody here that can drive me to the hospital and they were like, no, no ambulance is coming, you, you need to stay. Um, the, the only kind of bad experience was the, the nurse in South Dock frightened the life out of me. Why? Um, Why did she you do know, that? You if, know, if, if I wasn't having a heart attack uh, prior, uh, she definitely almost caused one. Um, kind of just, you know, telling me that um, there's obviously serious pressure on my heart and, you know, that I, I should have sought help like hours prior um, and then the ambulance services, like uh, when they connected me, they were like, "Have you got aspirin? You need to take aspirin. You need to rest." I was like, "Oh my god!" Nah, you're up to ninety you know, now after all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like whatever. Maybe in panic prior, like this yeah. is this yeah. has really done a number. Um, 
So yeah, the, the paramedics arrived and they kind of checked me over. They said everything that it seems okay just from the tests they can do, but they're going to take me in straight away. And then they said obviously because the ECG and all that was coming back fine, my heart rate was fine, they, they weren't hearing anything with the breathing. So they were like, look, we probably will have a, a long enough wait in the, the corridor. Um, but, so, they, but the paramedics were able to do all of that, weren't they? they yeah, they were able to check my, my heart rate and um, check my, my blood pressure and yeah, all that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so they, they were they were fantastic. Um had me up to the mercy. Um the went in the, the back kind of way that the, the uh, paramedics bring you in. Was in the hallway I'd say for no more than fifteen minutes. Um was brought in, brought into a room, um kinda of, could see the nurses station. Uh, within five, ten minutes of being in that room I had two different nurses into me and um, took my bloods, one one set up the IV line and took the bloods and the other was checking the blood pressure. Um, straight away I could see them send off the bloods up this little shoot thing um, within two hours I had the doctor into me um, telling me bloods are fine and nothing to worry about there um, and he said look it's, it's all good news but this is a precaution we're going to send you for an x-ray as well um, and I thought you know the blood tests back within two hours and a doctor into me within two hours was isn't, it, isn't it incredible it's it's how it should be for everybody whatever was going yeah. on on friday evening and there was it not busy or what they um like i didn't see a massive overcrowding in the in the emergency department when i left um there was a couple of people on trolleys in the hallway yeah. nothing significant nothing like a, a battle war scene um within 10 minutes of the doctor telling me I'd be going for an x-ray. I had the x-ray lady come out, walk me around the corner into the x-ray, no x-ray waiting area. Um, straight in, x-ray done, back out. Within 30 minutes of that being done, the doctor had looked at the x-ray and had come back into me and said, this is what's wrong. This is why you're having the difficulty breathing. Um, gave me a prescription and said that I will need to go to my own GP for a few smaller tests that they wouldn't really do in the hospital. Um, and within 10 minutes of him saying that, I had the IV line out, had my prescription, and off I went. Oh, my God. That really is an example of a centre of excellence at work, isn't it? Yeah, I that- mean, whatever was going on there that night, they were absolutely fantastic. I know people are always on, you know, getting out. No, I know, and it's important down. to get a bit of balance because when there wasn't undue pressure on the system on that night when you were there... All of the different areas of it, and all of you described, it all worked seamlessly. You moved through all Classic, of the different yeah. areas, and the different services were provided very professionally. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And you know, they they really do meet, need to be commended, like on on how well they can work when they aren't, you know, buckling at the same. Correct. Yeah, and that's important to show how it could work if everything was handled mm-hmm. properly. I, not, notwithstanding yeah. that you did have a serious worry going in. Um, I, I don't mean to dwell on what was wrong, but nothing terribly serious then? Um, no, no. Um, in, inflammation um, in, in the chest that was putting pressure on my, my lungs, so it was making it difficult to breathe and, and causing pain. Um, but yeah. thankfully, um, yeah. they said it, it's nothing serious. Yeah, good, good. So an example of how perfectly it can work if it's given the opportunity to do so. And that was Friday night at the uh, emergency department at the Mercy. Thanks, Amy. Um, did you did you want to? Were you chatting with the lads as well? Are you waiting an yeah. NCT test? I'm I'm not waiting. Um, but something important to note: uh, a lot of people don't know about it, and it's buried very very deep on the NCT website. You have to 
Really, really look for it to find it. Um, the NCT have a customer charter on their website. If you're waiting more than 28 days for an NCT, um, you're entitled to a free NCT test. Now, there is actually um, criteria with it. So your NCT can't be out of date. Um, you can't book an appointment online yourself and go, well, the next appointment is six months away. I'm getting this for free. What you need to do is call them, get them to put you on a waiting list. You can't request any specific day or time. You just have to take what you're given. And if it's over the 28 days, um, you are entitled to a free NCT. But what if you ring them? Because apparently I know that that works for a lot of people. You get you do it online and say you've got a six or seven month wait for an NCT test. But they encourage you yeah. to ring the NCT um, helpline and they give you a yeah, faster so they, test. They get results released. Um, Every every couple of days, they, they have like a block result or a block of them released. I don't know why they're just not available online. There's obviously a reason for that. So um, when you call them, you get a faster date. But what are the chances of you being sent to Ballina, for instance, or something like that? You um, so it, it is within your your um, you know your your own NCT. So they can't just say to you like, oh, you know, head on up to a. Oh, it's actually snowing outside at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> Delighted. Um, <laughs> just, just snowing. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, it has to be at the, the NCT centre that you are requesting. Um, they do need to get you the Okay, test so the information here is that if you get a test online and it says you won't get seen until May or June and you ring them, and even then if they give you a test that's outside of 28 days, the test must then be free. Yeah, so okay. as you say, you, you can't request a specific date or a specific time. You can't say... Oh, it has to be a Saturday or Sunday. You have to take what you're given. Um, you can't pre-book one online first and then decide to ring the master because you've already actually gotten an NCT. Um, date, so the thing is your test can't be overdue. Um, the appointment was offered um, seven days or more prior to the new test due date. Um, you have not made specific uh, requests regarding times, dates, uh, etc., and you've not declined or rearranged two or more previous appointments. Oh, okay, I know. But that's buried away in the charter somewhere online, but people need Uh, to be aware of it. You're waiting more than 28 days or more for a test. If you don't get it within that month, you must get the test for free. Look after yourself, Amy. Do appreciate that. Thank you so much. Cheers. Take care. Uh, Just a quick one on this, if you don't mind. Jerry. good morning. Okay, back to that. That's an example there of the Mercy Hospital and Amy's experience yeah. there on Friday night, which was it sounds ter- very good. It sounds the way it should be. Yeah, but in as you know yourself, uh, uh, that is not the case. Neil, every morning for how long are you on the radio getting complaints from people regarding the HSC? I could fill an entire so week of programs with people on air on. You BKN. certainly could, yeah. my friend. Yeah, and. I don't mind listening to that because it just keeps people's mind sharp of what's going on, right? Yeah. Now, I, feel I, I have been in hospital myself for a small procedure, which was done, but at the time, uh, it was last year, it took, I was given a letter from a doctor, an admission letter, and it was 27 hours before I was put in bed. Now, sitting on the chair. But anyway, my main uh, statement I want to make this morning is that uh, I feel very, very sorry for these uh, nurses and, you know, people in the labs and everything. And even some of the younger doctors, they'll run off their feet, they're running around the place 
they're not working in a safe environment for themselves mm. or for the patients. I rang the Health and Safety Authority last week, right, making the point that this is a disaster, right? And I was told by an official that... Um, this would be your, your concerns are health and safety in the workplace. So you called the Correct. health and safety authority on behalf of those working within HSE to go in there and to sort it and force yeah. it like you would any business. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because it is dangerous. Need people's lives are. And what did they say to you? What they basically said was that was a muscle for the HSE. They should complain to the HSE. And I said, hang on a second, over right? That's themselves investigating themselves, right? Yeah. And I said, this is a health and safety matter. Yeah, yeah. People people are dying and everything, right? And people are not, because the staff all over, what they're going around like headless chickens, right? And surely be the God, there has to be a health and safety issue. And they said, oh, the staff should report this to them. And if they don't report it to them, there will be no action taken by the HSA, right? So the HSA I, would intervene if it was the staff made official staff complaints? Made, yes, of the union. So why wouldn't the INMO make an official complaint to Health and well, Safety Authority? Or SIP2 or SIP2 as a union, for instance? Exactly, that's the question I'm asking. Very good point. That's worth developing, actually. I must dig into that a little bit deeper. But fair play yeah. for you having the courage of your convictions and picking up the phone and ringing well, the HSA. I mean, look... We're all human beings, right? <clears throat> Nobody wants to be sick. But I was I I I had to attend a clinic up there, nothing this nothing the A and E, but in a different department of the hospital last I think it was May or June and just talking to the one of the senior nurses there about the situation of the health service and the COH and she says, hey, you'll see nothing yet, wait until the winter comes. She's right. Absolutely. Uh, 1,000% right. Neil, there are third world countries, right? And they have, they have extremely great... Uh, they have a better health system, yeah. yeah. They have. And I don't buy this thing. I never buy this thing, you know, when they say, ah, well, it's that way in England, no, and it's that way in France. We have extremely highly paid politicians, and they're doing nothing at all about it. Yeah, well, Paddy says that. He says, when are we finally going to get tough on the fools at the top? Fire them all. Fire the minister, fire the top tier of the HSE, and anybody who's engaging within the Department of Health and not doing their job. Fire them. If you can't do do your job, your bosses are worth a ton of own. Say, Neil, sorry, good luck. Well, you'd get your your verbals and your written's, but then you'd be gone. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. You will get your warnings, right? Yeah. But these people don't get even warnings, right? Okay. But you see, there's a policy there, as far as I can make out, right? That we're all public servants. You don't open your mouth. I don't open my mouth. Some is untouchable, They're untouchable. And it's like the same thing we have in City Hall, right? I think, did I hear you saying today that Cork City was a little black spot? Cork City and Mahan. Cork City's Mahan, bad, yeah, Mahan's right. atrocious. Yeah. Yeah, right. Now, but it's not City it's Hall, nor those in the cleansing department no, that are littering our streets. No, it's no, Cork no, people. It's the management. No, it's the management, right? Because I tell you why, Neil, right? 
you look, or ask if you heard, but you probably won't get an answer anywhere, right? How many people have been fined for littering on the street? Oh, Mickey Mouse. How many, yeah, how many Mouse. people have been fined for dog fouling? Right? Yeah, be my, it's, it's worth a punt actually to get those stats to see if they have them for 2022 or maybe even 2021 would do. I, <coughs> I'll do that though, but Jerry, yeah. th- thanks so much. Yeah. Appreciate it as always. And Abe, before you go, right? Yeah. I, I just, I, it's a thorny subject, the housing, right? I was reading last night about all the people that are in Cork that have been put into B&Bs and hotels and demoted children, right? I would like you to ask the chief executive of City Hall, right? And I know you're trying to get her on the For radio. a long time trying to get her on. Correct, yeah. correct, right? She's a public servant. She's paid by the public. She should be made face to people, right? But mm. she won't, yeah. right? Okay. She's okay. not doing her job. Now, the question I want to know is, why do we have so many local people in B&Bs and hotels while the Cork City Council, the biggest landlord in, in Cork, has 750 houses boarded up. That's one of many questions that will be asked and hopefully will be at some stage. Thanks, Jerry. Have a yeah. good day. Thanks for listening. Cool. Appreciate Project. your contributions. Thank Take you. care. Brilliant. Text 0868 We'll pick it up after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, a little bit of housekeeping for you. Monday and the Monday Munchies are back for the New Year, guys, in association with Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street. So, uh, Happy New Year to everybody at Offbeat Donuts. Good to have you on board again in 2023. So, we've got another big box of these circles of obsession to give away. Uh, there's at least 12 in the box. I think it's closer to 15 inside in the box. Uh, donuts of all sorts of shapes, sizes and tastes from Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street. How was the weekend? Tell us uh, what you did, what you got up to and why you, you deserve a box of donuts to start the week. Alright, so text on that 0868 And great news if you're planning weekend breaks or planning holidays in January is the time when everybody turns into uh, their own homemade um, you know, travel guide or travel assistant or indeed your own uh, travel agent. We've got a lovely trip to give away this week courtesy of Welling. Now, I'm a big fan of Welling. I flew them a couple of times in Europe last year. They got fabulous aircraft and uh, delighted to, to see that they're continuing to operate out of Cork. And uh, Welling fly twice weekly from Cork Airport direct to Paris or Lee. Okay, uh, and we have a lovely prize to give away this week, courtesy of Vueling uh, and Cork Airport, which is a trip for two to Gay Paris, to Paris, with return flights for you and whomever you choose to take with you. Accommodation in Paris, all sorted for the two nights. Free parking at the Cork Airport, not a bother, just drive up, leave the car, no charge. And you'll also spend some time in the Aspire Lounge before you fly off to Paris for a two-night weekend with all of the trimmings courtesy of ourselves, uh, Vueling Airlines and Cork Airport. All right, so um, that's uh, this week. I'll tell you some more about that a little later on this morning. Text 0868 Pick up the phone on 0818 Just um, before I go back to calls, if you don't mind, I hope Jennifer can wait. I did reference uh, Roy Keane earlier on this morning um, and he was guest 
uh, on the Tommy Tiernan show, the first show of the new season. Now, he covered an awful lot of ground, actually, uh, on the show with Tommy Tiernan. And I see Tommy got into uh, um, hot water as well because um, he had uh, some controversial jokes at a gig in Vicker Street on Friday night. You might know the uh, the uh, journalist and broadcaster Emer O'Neill. Um, she went to the uh, gig at Vicker Street, but she walked out. She said her heart sank when he began telling the audience. It was a particular joke about Dublin Zoo, uh, where he, apparently he was comparing um, you know particular animals in Dublin Zoo from the African savanna uh, and comparing them to. Irish taxi drivers I mean you can't be making jokes like that it's just not funny and she was really angry about that but that's just a, that's a, that's one story regarding Tommy Tiernan but um, Kino on Tiernan was amazing because he covered a lot of ground I think I haven't seen it yet but I think it got a bit frosty because Tommy didn't think that Roy was given enough you know the way Roy is uh, like, he's not the easiest guy to have a, a radio or television chat with uh, but here's some audio this is particularly funny because it describes uh, Kino's first date uh, with Teresa have a listen can you tell me what it was like when you met your missus uh, that's okay yeah obviously there's <laughs> drink involved and um, yeah yeah, went out and um, yeah, I met Teresa Nottingham. Obviously, I was what, 19, 20, 21 maybe, yeah, enjoying myself. Obviously, I had three years at Nottingham and uh, she was on the scene and obviously, fancy a drink. <laughs> that's, that's the usual chat up line, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But we'd... Um, I wasn't really wanting it. Do you know what? When I was younger, I was I was more going up with the boys and having a drink. And my, the women wasn't a big thing for me, I have to say, at the time. Um, so, yeah, I was more chasing the... I'd more have a night out with the lads than kind of chasing the women, really. Yeah. Yeah, but we'd... Probably only had one really proper date, which wasn't good, really. Mm. Do you mean it didn't go well, or? Yeah, no, it, did, it went it went very badly. Um, yeah, we met. I picked her up. Uh, actually, at the city ground, uh, at Forest, uh, and obviously I'd met her when I'd had a few drinks, so the chat was slightly different. And we went for a spin. I said, "You fancy going to the pictures?" Because at least in the pictures you can just watch the movie, you know, don't have, don't have to chat too much. <laughs> and she said no. <laughs> she said no. She went, I went last night with my friends. I was like, well, there's other movies on, you know. <laughs> I said, do you want to go for a drink? And she said, no, no. So I literally drove back to the car. This is all within 10, 15 minutes. And she said, what are you doing? I said, well, you don't want to go for a drink. You don't want to go to the pictures. <laughs> what else can we do? <laughs> and she got out. I says, I might see you next week. She said, I don't think so. And slammed the door. That was my first date, John. <laughs> and we're, we're still married, yeah. 
I couldn't help but think, you know, what were the other things that Roy could have asked Teresa if she'd like to do on the first date if she didn't want to go for a drink and she'd been to the pictures the night before? He could have said, do you fancy going for a burger? Uh, would you fancy going for a meal? You want to go ice skating? Um, you want to go for a walk in the park? That was, so... Text lads, other things that Roy could have offered up as a first date. Um, <laughs> text 0868104166. Yeah, I know. That Tommy Tiernan show, somebody texted me, that was recorded months ago, unless you knew it. Uh, Roy was live on ITV on Friday with no beard whatsoever. Has he got a tash now, did somebody say? Uh, or did that come and go as well? Anyway, the great Roy Keane. Text 0868104106. Other first date options, right? Text on that one. We'll have some fun with it. You might even get into Friday's final if you can come up with. What was your first date? Where did you go? What did you do? Where did you take that uh, person? I, it could have been just the only date. Might be even more fun if it was the only date. Or you might have gone on to marry him or her. But anyway, text on that. Text 0868104106. Get yourself into Friday's final for a Paris romantic trip to Paris, courtesy of ourselves and Vueling. Right, back to the phone lines you go, because I got a fairly lengthy email. I always prefer to chat rather than reading out lengthy emails. But it uh, it's Hi, a story Nick. from Jennifer and Jennifer's uh, family. I think she's out walking the dog. You might have heard her shouting Harley. Is Harley the Springer Spaniel, yeah? Yes. <laughs> Has he done a runner on you? No, no, she's right in front of me, she... waiting for me to throw the ball. Okay, okay. Well, I won't keep you because you need to prioritise much more important things, <laughs> throwing the ball yeah. with with Harley. But you, you, you sent me the email out of pure frustration um, yeah. regarding a recent CUH visit. Not you, but your daughter, was it? Yes, yeah. What My happened? daughter's 27 and uh, two days before Christmas Eve, she slipped on the stairs bottom two steps of the stairs and immediately we knew it was serious she was screaming she could feel her bone moving so my husband ankle her, was it ankle her ankle yeah. yes okay yeah. so my husband who's trained in first aid and he's a first responder where he works he knew straight away it was fairly serious so um he took her straight to A&E and um, now, to be fair, she was x-rayed fairly quickly um, and uh, due to the swelling, the severity of the swelling. Because it swells up quite um, quick, doesn't it? A break like that yes. in the ankle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And as it turned out, the x-ray showed that she had done serious damage and the ankle was broken in three places. Oh, my God. That is serious. Yeah. That's surgery, it's Yeah, just from a simple slip. Um, <sighs> so it went on from there. Um on the Friday afternoon, we were told that there would be no surgery for at least five days due to swelling. Um, so myself and my husband were flying away on Saturday morning for Christmas. You're um, going on the on Christmas Eve, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Christmas Eve. Yes. Yeah. So we arrived, um, got off the plane, and within a half an hour, we had a phone call from Sarah to say that there she was. She had been told they were rushing her down for surgery because they wanted to get her home that evening. Yes. Now, bear in mind, she was in hospital. She was kept in. Yeah. Yes, she wasn't allowed home. It said the the ankle itself was so unstable, there was no way she was going to be left out. So she had the surgery Saturday afternoon. Um, got a phone call at six o'clock from her just to let us know that everything was fine. Um and she was waiting on the doctors to come back into her. She had not seen anybody at this stage since the surgery. Was she in pain? 
Um, not at that stage. Okay, They Carry put on. a blocker into it so that she couldn't feel anything. Okay. So that was um, the Saturday evening and she never saw anybody from her team since then. She literally, there's nobody from the orthopaedic team has come near her since the day of the surgery. Um, she, in hospital, she was having to shout to find somebody to come and give her pain relief. There was nobody else on the ward with her. Actually, the, sorry, the first day there was somebody else on the ward and that, la- that poor lady had dementia, so there was a carer with her. Mm. That carer was having to go and search for a nurse to get pain relief for Sarah. Because Sarah was, you're saying, literally saw nobody, was spent 15 minutes nobody. roaring from the bed for someone to help her yep. with pain relief. That continued yep. all yep. across the following day. She yes. even she um, even couldn't find somebody because she clearly couldn't go to the bathroom on her own. No, no. She was in there from Thursday until Tuesday and not once was she asked if she needed help to wash. Nothing. Um, she saw nobody, basically. Um, she... So on the... the Tuesday eventually actually sorry I'm going step I'm going too far ahead on the Sunday she started to go very downhill with the high temperature and um, shakes and everything and they tested her for Covid and they tested her for the flu and she tested positive for the flu she get the flu in the hospital is that the case she did she did yeah so then she was put into an isolation ward and basically left to her own devices nobody was coming near her Um. She still had not seen anybody from the surgery team. She had been told, if you remember, she had been told on Christmas Eve she was going home that evening and that's why they were rushing the surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of confusion going on there. I I always thought that a surgical team or a member of the team or the surgeon or someone would come back again to check the work. Well, you would think so, yeah. So at this stage... But maybe not over... Maybe this is a thing to do with Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. Well, in my mind, that's what happened. Whoever was supposed to sign Sarah out that evening forgot about her. And if you... From my email, I said to you, the day before she came home, she overheard two doctors in the corridor saying, talking about her and saying that there had been a massive mix-up with her case and that she should not have been still in the hospital. They were saying that to each other, though. Nobody said that to her. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, well, well, to be fair, one or two of the nurses did say to her and the doctor on call that they couldn't understand why she was still in there. So she stayed, what, six days in total? Was it yeah. like, did yeah. anybody come and, and check? Was there any, any, no. you know, any physio come look at the ankle? No, or? no. And she had been told, I was there on the Thursday night with her when this, just after it happened. And the doctor that came in that night said to us that um, under no circumstances would she be leaving the hospital without being signed off by physio or at least seeing somebody from physio. So she was handed a pair of crutches, given no instructions, just literally handed the crutches and told, get on with it. Was there, was there a period as well, and she, you describe her as an independent and private girl. Very, um, very, but, very. But, yeah. but, but still in need of care, like she was left oh, covered I in mean, her own the, blood and there was the no moment, one to... She, did, she met, did she wash or shower while there? No, no Neil, she couldn't. She, she couldn't move. And even now at home, she's struggling. We, we're having to do everything for her. She st- eventually, after I wrote the email to you, Eventually on Thursday, she 
got in touch with somebody in the hospital. She had been trying all week and on Thursday she got in touch with somebody and now she has an appointment on Thursday coming, three weeks after her surgery, whereas she was told it would have to be two weeks after the surgery. So you hear all of the other stories on the air, heartbreaking and all as they are and the horrendous experiences. Sometimes it's the elderly, sometimes it's small little paediatric cases and what have you with babies. But you believe that your daughter was the subject of complete and utter neglect? I do, absolutely. Absolutely. There was one nurse that I I asked myself what medication she, Sarah was being given, what pain relief. And as she walked away from me, she rolled her eyes up to heaven. You know, I know my daughter's 27, but she's still my daughter and I still want to know what, what she's been given. Yeah, I know. You know. It's a bit of a perfect storm of things going wrong, isn't it? Particularly, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you go in and there, I, I, you go in there on the Thursday before Christmas, you know, and you're yeah, in the, and then I imagine the staffing levels drop. From, well, you still don't know whether it's... We don't know if it's a su- success. We've been told originally that she may only get 85% use back because of the damage. We don't know if there's ligament damage. We don't know anything. When is the review? Surely there's some review. It's on Thursday. Yeah. It's on Thursday now. Yeah. 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 But even at this stage, the cast is after shrinking... It's loose on her, you know, in my mind, it shouldn't be like that. She should have, she should have had her two-week review last week. Mm, mm, mm. Um, you know, I know how bad it is. I spent 12 hours in there back in March myself just for the result of a blood test due to a suspected blood clot. I know what it's like in there. I've seen it. It's, it's shocking. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. And it just shouldn't be happening in this day and age. They've known for years, the government has known for years how bad our health system is. It's time to. It was time to do something about it three years ago, and they still have done nothing. Oh, about listen, it. a lot longer than three years ago. But thank yeah, you all the same yeah. for highlighting it. I do appreciate it, Jennifer, and hopefully okay, Neil. she'll thank make you. a full recovery. Appreciate it. Lots of text on this. I just, I'm a nurse. I just want to make one point as a nurse of twenty years to answer your question. The short-term answer, usually implemented, is to get patients out and clear trolleys. This, though, puts immense pressure on ward staff trying to look after patients and then deal with an increase in numbers of discharges and a number of increases in admissions. The real problem is a lack of beds and a lack of staff. Beds went down in number years ago. The population increased. It's a no-brainer. Also, some nurses will go abroad, but I've seen loads of nurses over the past 10 years leave as they just had enough Uh, One ward lost about 70% of their staff a few years ago. And believe me, that is far from normal. And that's from a nurse who's been nursing 20 years. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael just want to turn Ireland into the American 51st state. If you can't afford it, then you will die. Um, Mary Harney had some cheek on her considering it was her who did away with the regional health service and formed the HSE. Politicians are being made ministers uh, to jobs they are not qualified for. And they wonder why there's a problem. Yeah, you put politicians in, in charge of things, really, that they never, ever trained to do. You know, they never, ever had any academia behind them to make them a health minister a lot of the time. Well, I mean, Simon Harris would be different in that regard, I suppose. But uh, others are in education and others in uh, different portfolios that they actually have no experience or training in. Uh, this year, you have had the COVID vaccine damaging people increasing the pressure on the health service. That's the elephant in the room that no one in the mainstream media wants to talk about. 
I've spoken about the consequences of the COVID, COVID vaccine, vaccine to people in the past. I've spoken about long COVID and, you know, uh, the devastating consequences of the vaccine or indeed long COVID having gotten COVID. I've spoken also about the respiratory issues that have been associated for some people with regards to the vaccine. Uh, when we want to get tough on these fools at the top, fire the lot of them. Back in the 80s and 90s, the Bonds had a great A&E. If you were brought in by ambulance, the surgeon was waiting there for you. If you had an appendix diagnosed by your GP, you would be taken directly to a hospital bed rather than being triaged. It was the same with broken bones. Why we can't we go back to this process? It would more than half the numbers attending A&D. Well, because there are a lot less emergency departments now in hospitals, certainly in Cork hospitals, less Cork hospitals anyway. And one final one, the invention of the HSE by Fianna Fáil has turned it into a gradual money-taking disaster. Every minister that read out the same rhetoric about it agrees that it's not fit for purpose, but it just goes on and on. Australia must be rubbing their hands at the ready-made nurses they're receiving annually and the expense they save in having to educate them. That's a very valid point. The Australian health profession or medical system doesn't have to train the nurses because they come from Ireland fully trained and ready to go. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. I know, you guys are as sharp as a pin. I know that. I know that Roy Keane's first date with Theresa was in Nottingham. I know that. I'm just asking, what other options could he have come up with on the first date besides going for a drink? And she said no. Going to the pictures, she said no. I was at the pictures last night, my friends. What other options could he come up with? And one of them I mentioned was ice skating. I know it was. I know it wasn't in Cork, but I'm sure they have ice skating in Nottingham as well. They certainly have restaurants and they have public parks and I don't know. They have places you could go for a walk or go for a meal or go for a burger or something. So anyway, I know that. So the best first date story, right? Um, particularly if it was a, a disastrous one. Uh, text on that text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. On Friday, we'll be giving away a trip for two for two nights in Paris, out of Cork Airport, courtesy of ourselves, Cork airport and Vwelling airline and you can book Vwelling directly www.vwelling.com it's spelt differently to how it's pronounced incidentally because it's spelt v-u-e-l-i-n-g the award-winning low-cost carrier you'll be welcome at Cork airport you'll be welcome in the Aspar lounge you'll be welcome on board and be off to Paris for the weekend so first dates lads uh, particularly if it ended up in a disaster you could get into Friday's final text 0868104106 Talking about feeling welcome or unwelcome, I can tell you without fear of correction that over the years, one of the stories that garners an awful lot of texts and responses is uh, a story that involves um, Cork door staff, bouncers, security guards, um, sorry, security staff that work on the door of Cork clubs. And for years now, people have been quite critical of them. Uh, Not just Cork people, but people from outside Cork who come to Cork are very critical of our door staff, or at least some of them, who on a whim, for absolutely no reason whatsoever, um, will refuse entry to people. And I know even mentioning it again now, we'll get calls and texts from people who've been through the same situation themselves in the past. But I saw a very emotive post that was shared with me uh, last night. It was posted on Facebook by the American content creator and the travel enthusiast, uh, Boyd Harrington. I believe he's been to Cork more than once and, and travels quite a bit, but he couldn't get into Reardon's. And it's got to be really frustrating if you can't get a reason why and you're planning your night out. But enough of me anyway. Boyd joins me by phone. Boyd, good morning. 
Good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, sorry about that experience. I mean, you've been to Cork before. You sounded to me in the videos if you know your way around. Uh, yeah, this is my 12th time here in the last 10 years. So <laughs> remember, I'm a regular. Okay. And do you, I mean, yeah. I, I come back and compare and contrast Dorstaff in other parts of the world or indeed other parts of Ireland. But what happened? When was this? Uh, this was, uh, let's see. Saturday, Saturday night. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Saturday night. And uh, Reardon's was the third. Well, I was so amped up in that video. Reardon's was the third uh, bar they had gone to that was turned away. It all started uh, down at the Oliver Plunkett. Uh, when I had left my room, I was uh, waiting for the rain to stop. Okay, let me and, just uh, put, let me just point out here. You were staying in a Cork hotel, spending money in Cork, and booked into a Cork hotel with money in your pocket. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so I left and uh, headed over to the Oliver Plunkett. And I walked up, and uh, the guy just said, uh, how much you got to drink tonight? And I said, actually, I haven't had anything. I said, I've just been in my room eating and uh, waiting for the rain to stop, and I'm coming here for you know a pint. And he's like, uh, no, you've had too much. And I, said, I laughed. I said, come on. And I said, I haven't had any alcohol. And he said, no, really, we're going to leave it off tonight. I said, why won't you let me in there? What is it about me? And uh, he just says, well, it's the way you walk and the way you talk. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not I'm not drunk or anything. I haven't had any alcohol in my system. He says, well, you're not getting in. The way said, you wow. walk but, uh, and the way you talk. That's interesting. That's what he said, it? yeah. The way you talk yeah. is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, is he saying you were walking drunk and talking drunk? I mean, you could... You could perceive it that way, I guess, but okay. I, I know I wasn't. Okay, you know? okay. So, All right, you know. so you didn't argue the toss with this guy. You're wasting your time anyway, aren't you? Yeah, so I figured, okay, well, I'll just, I'll leave. So uh, in the past, Old Oak is one of the bars in town that has never, ever refused me, ever. Even if I've had too many pints to drink, they've always let me in. Uh, I decided not to walk to that bar because I know how it is here. If they, If one bar looks over and sees you turned away from one bar... Maybe Old Oak would turn me away if they looked down the street and okay. see me walking away from Oliver Plunkett. So I okay. left. Okay, so, so no criticism of the Old Oak because you didn't approach the door staff no. there. Okay, all right. No, not okay. at all. No. Okay. So then I go over to the Rob Roy and I walk up and I was here just this last June and the same thing happened to me. The, the same guy out there and I walk up and he just says, not tonight. I said, excuse me? He says, not getting in tonight. That's exactly what he said to me in June. So I said, whatever, and I and I walked away. So then I go down the street more, and I walk up to a security guy at uh, Pop Scene, and I said, hey, I said, uh, where where can an American that has not had anything to drink tonight, where can he get in? <laughs> I said, I've been, I've been turned away from two bars. And he was the one that recommended, he said, go down to Reardon's. Now, okay. I've been to Reardon's in the past. You got in in the past? The, the, I had in the past, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and Dwyer's and all those right there. So I said, fine. So I walked down, and uh, that's when I came up to Reardon's, and there was a real tall guy and one other security person. There were some other people standing there talking to them, and I walked up, and then the guy looked at me, and he says, uh, oh, no, not tonight. And I said, excuse me? He says, no, you've had too much. He says, uh, yeah, we're not going to let you in. And I said, I haven't had anything to drink. He says, nope, not not a bother. You're not you're not getting in tonight. I was like, are you kidding me? And then I, I, I just walked away, and I that's when I went down the street and did that video. I, think you, I, you, you like, said to, I know that. you said to him, for sure, you said, I'm stone cold sober, 
Um, I have just come from, I don't know where it was, but you... Oh, you, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, he says, where have you been tonight? And I said, oh, I was down uh, on Oliver I was Oliver Plunkett. He goes, oh, the Oliver Plunkett? And I said, no, Oliver Plunkett Street. And then he said, no, no, you're not getting in. Yeah. You say, you say told that. him you had been eating chicken and drinking only water. And yeah, yeah. I said, I've been eating chicken and drinking water and eating broccoli and chicken in my room. And, and he just said, no, you're not getting in. Yeah. How frustrating was that for you? Uh, very. And then, and then, um, then he also said, plus you have track pants on. And I said, excuse me. And he says, you have track pants on. And I said, these are jeans. And I, I told him how much I paid for the jeans. It's not like I'm trying to like be flashy or anything. I was just trying to make a point that, you know, these aren't like $20 pants. I mean, they're, they're nice jeans. Well, no, not, not with that style. You're not getting in here. <laughs> so he was trying to find like, whatever reason not not to let me in and i'd been in that bar in the past so very strange um, um you, 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 just one or two points here on this right you were on your own a male on his own am i right correct could yes. that be the reason i wonder hmm. i mean possibly i i don't know i mean I'm not, no, I'm not saying that yeah, it should be right. I mean, I feel I feel your yeah. pain. I really do. Because all too often we hear of stories about door staff in Cork who really yeah. are, some of them are on a bit of a trip, I have to say, and have been for some time. Right. And those that come from outside of Cork down here to spend money here, they can be very critical of nights being spoiled because they can't get in somewhere for no valid reason. Uh, here, here, right. here's, what, here's one of them uh, that might be of interest to you. I was refused at mm. seven months pregnant. I dropped my friends to a 21st at the door, uh, parked up behind um, and ran over. I was stopped on the door and told I had too much drink on board. I explained I was driving and seven months pregnant, just dropping in to say hi at a happy birthday for a friend. I was still not allowed in. There are pathetic gatekeepers in Cork. See the frustration yeah. of that. That's a, a, a seven-month pregnant woman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... I don't, I don't, I don't know what their criteria is, but uh, after I posted that video and I saw, you know, so many locals here, because I have a lot of court people on my. Okay, Facebook what were they the, saying the to you then on viral? What were, what were they saying? No, they they were all saying the same thing. They said it's not just tourists; it happens to the, them, and a, and a lot of the locals say they don't even go go in town anymore. They go more to something, you know, out of town, you know. So local. they won't go socializing in the city because it's too much of a lottery to try and plan something. That gets destroyed on exactly. the board. Yeah, yeah, because maybe their whole group doesn't get in, or you know, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's, so, how do you make a plan to even go out and have a good evening if half your people can't get in, or or if you want to go to one place maybe and you decide it's not that fun, you want to go to another one and you walk out of that one, you might not get into another one. And then your night's done. For the it's night. a risk. <laughs> it's a risk. Okay, um, yeah. so can you compare and contrast them with? Other countries or indeed other parts of Ireland and treatment? Uh, yeah. So in my video, I spoke about Mexico because I, I go to Mexico pretty often. And the culture there, they're very uh, grateful uh, for the tourists. In fact, I went to uh, Tijuana uh in 2021 after they had been locked down for the COVID and they were telling me, you know, the media scares Americans to come into Mexico, that part. And also with COVID, they, they suffered so bad. They rely on tourism, people coming across that border from California. And, uh, they said, just, you know, how grateful, I mean, if, if I walk into a bar 
and and they don't have a table available <laughs> three guys will go grab another table bring it over throw it down real quick put a tablecloth on it wipe it down and you've got somebody there to take your drink order i mean i'll walk down the street they're like senor come in here free shot free shot tequila you know two shots you and your friend you know like they're they they entice you to come in the bar Versus here, it's like you feel like you're walking up to a customs officer. Yeah. The way they look at you, they look you up and down. I see it when I, as I'm walking towards the bar, they're staring at you, um, trying to size you up. Because, you know? because they're all mic'd up and connected by, by radio, could there be a chance that one bar or club warns all of the others that there's potentially a guy coming down that they've refused, so therefore everybody else refuses, do you think? I have some inside information on that because back in 2018 or 19, I can't remember when it was, 2019, a, a friend of mine, who I'm not going to mention, has worked security here in Cork. And she told me um, that they basically have a WhatsApp group and um, they snap the photo when they refuse you, it goes into the group and they're able to see the photo of that person, what they're wearing. So when you go to walk up to another bar that's linked to that security company, they're just going to tell you no. And, now that's and I unfortunate. Saw, you know, for the, I saw the guy take. Yeah. I saw the guy take a picture of me um, at uh, the Oliver Plunkett when we were talking. I saw me. He had his fingers on this little plastic-looking thing with a lens on his chest, and I saw him push the button when we were talking. I knew he was taking my picture. And is that definitely a photograph, Boyd? Yeah. I'm assuming, I mean, it was strange why he pushed that button and I know about, they take your photo. So he pushed that while we were talking. So I'm sure that it, it, it wasn't a microphone. Like it was a two way radio or anything. I didn't see, you know, an earpiece. The, I didn't the, hear the only thing really, and from the point of view of being fair about it is that that's probably a good mm -hmm. thing in the right case where you have a troublemaker who'd been barred before or caused trouble before, right. or was harassing punters before you don't want these people yeah. back in. So in, in that case, it's a yeah. good system, but not when yeah. something, I mean, like for instance, have you been to Dublin? Have you been to Galway, Killarney? What is the oh, treatment there? <clears throat> Yeah, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I was uh, yeah, I was in Dublin before I came down here on on this on this trip, and uh, I had no problems. You know, um, I, some places didn't even have anybody at the door; I just walked in, and then other places just said, you know, have a good evening. You know, and I, I walked in; they held the door open for me. I I didn't I didn't have any problems. Um, I don't have much other nightlife experience in Ireland because okay. Cork is my favorite place to be. But has it ruined? Has it ruined it. that now? Are you finished with Cork? Because you know the, 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 the <sighs> no, story. No. The story will go out there on your media channels to tourists and people with dollars and euros to spend, yeah. not to go to Cork. <clears throat> yeah, when I did that video, I was I was very heated. You know, I was I was extremely heated when I did that, and um, I'll have to say last night kind of changed my mind because. I end up, you know, taking advice of people that posted comments under the video talking about, you know, don't go into the city, go to like locals bar. So I went to the Joshua Tree last night and uh, there was nobody standing at the door telling me I couldn't get in. I went in and uh, people were actually getting me pints in there and they were singing and clapping and dancing around the place. And the, the energy was just over the top. I had a great time and I realized, you know, looking around that this is the atmosphere I'm looking for. This is why I want to be here, yeah, you know? And this yeah. is what I remember because when I first came to Cork, I used to go to the Holly Hill on the north side and some of the other local bars, mm. and I had some of the best times at those places, you know? 
So. Yeah. What, what do you... Okay, so in spite of these experiences with door staff, or at least some of them, mm-hmm. what attracts you to Cork? What do you like about Cork? I'm just curious. Um... You know, it's not like Dublin where it's like a real, real big city where like nobody know, doesn't know anybody and people just put their nose in the air. I mean, a lot of people do know me here and uh, people take the time to talk to you here. Um, it just, it, it, court just feels like it's just more character here. It's, it's more, it, it feels more down to earth. And I really, after making that video, I really can't define the city by those doormen. I, I, I shouldn't let and let them tarnish, you know, the, the feeling I've had here for a decade, you know, but they, they do not represent the city well. And for you guys being under severe lockdowns, like in Florida, we were only locked down for COVID for like two months. I mean, we were back open and uh, for here, you guys had much longer. So you would think the tourism dollars, you, these bars would want to make up for the time lost. And by, you know, treating tourists, that way that that's extra money coming into the economy mm. and uh i just i think that's not a, that's not a good business move i think these like bar owners and managers need to really you know maybe they should send people undercover coming up to these bars and, and the bar men outside don't even know that these are undercover and see how they're treated and do it do a oh stuff, as in do, do it, do it that it. the businesses themselves should do some q and exactly. some quality control um, exactly. Research onto their. I think there can be quotas sometimes, though, can't there? There are too many men. We want more women. Too many women. We're full. Uh, you know these kind of things. Yeah, possibly that that could be true. But uh, you know that would be something if they did do some a study like that. You know, what if the bar wasn't really that full and they found that they just turned somebody away, and then they could dig deeper and find out what was the real reason. Mm, okay. Okay. You know, are you check? Are you check? Are you checking out today? Leaving today? Um, I'm going. I'm going out to a friend's uh, here in town, staying one night, and I fly home tomorrow. So. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that experience, my friend. It's not the kind of one that we want yeah. hearing uh, on Lee side, particularly when you know it's it's a tourist who we're supposed to be welcoming in, notwithstanding the amount of Cork people that wish to socialise, but are never sure. I mean, you can be perfectly dressed, you can be perfectly sober. Yeah. But they just not might not. They just might not like the look of you. You know, it's 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 a shame. Oh, you know, uh, uh, Soho let me in. Uh, that night also and then a fight broke out two girls uh, i i was watching security at first and they couldn't get the girls apart and i thought well god maybe i better jump in so i jumped in i started pulling one of the girls and i didn't pull that hard and it's like fuck i i I couldn't pull them apart so i used all my strength i got them apart there was piles of hair on the floor and everything else and then i went over to the security i said hey am, am i hired and they laughed well then the next night I was able to get in no problem yeah, with them. I know, so I know, I know. I know anyway, I know. that's... <laughs> so, sorry about that. As I say, it's not the type yeah. of story we want to hear uh, on Lee's side, but no. unfortunately we hear it all too often. Um, do do come back, though, and hopefully there'll be a, a better welcome for you on Lee's side. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. I all right, Boyd. Take on, care. So. Appreciate okay. taking the call. All right, Thank you, Boyd all Harrington. Right. What do you make of that, guys? Text 0868104106. Not for the first time. I feel the guy's pain because people go out. They've got all of the best plans. They've got money in their pocket. They're meeting pals. Some might be inside. It might be prearranged. And for absolutely no reason in the white earthly world, and if you're involved in security, maybe you could explain it to me as to why people get turned away sober. Um, it, what is it? Is it their walk? Their gatch? 
Is it the clothes they wear? Is it the jewellery? Could it be face jewellery? Could it be tats? What is it? Text 0868104106. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Love a Saturday night with Boyd in the city being refused by doorstaff. Some interesting text coming in there. Text 0868104106. Actually, one is saying, you know, if you know so much about it, why don't you put on uh, the gear yourself and go in and do it? If you can do door security properly, Neil, why don't you go and do two nights on a door and show the staff how it should be done? If you're so great at it. No, that's not my job. That's not what I do. That's not what I'm trained to do. But I'm certainly trained to talk to people and listen to their stories and their experiences while socializing on Leaside. This has been a problem for quite a long time, actually. This is this is nothing new. Uh, keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Thank you, Tara. Thank you, Nicole. Hope you enjoyed your night for Women's Little Christmas. They won our prize on Friday and headed off to the Metropole for Women's Little Christmas. Came back and sent me a great photograph of their socializing, having a ball. She says, I just want to say a huge thank you for picking us for Women's Little Christmas. We had a ball. The staff of the Metropole and everyone involved were absolutely brilliant and the dinner was amazing. Also, a big shout out to Super Troopers ABBA Tribute Band. They were amazing. Uh, and so were you. You told a great story about your sister. Poor old Nicole got thrown under a bus on Friday morning, but it all paid off well, in spite of the embarrassment of the story. And, of course, you won the prize and had a great night. Um, yeah, women's at the Christmas. All right, so that, that's Friday night. Uh, texts this morning saying, why aren't you talking about uh, the carry-on in the harp bar for um, Women's Little Christmas. Well, uh, it's not that I'm not. Uh, I was sent the video uh, and indeed I saw some texts this morning uh, from people talking about the video that was circulating from the heart bar from Women's Little Christmas. Uh, one example of the comments include, there's a video circulating at the moment of a male stripper in what is simply disgusting vulgarity and in my mind, um, uh, sexualizing women in a cork pub. This man, this stripper, is wearing his underwear and lying on top of one girl and I'll let you use your imagination as to what he's doing. Near the end of the video, he removes his underwear and the rest is nothing short of pornographic. From the video, it's clear to see the name of the venue where this incident took place and I really hope you get on to the owners to explain how they could allow this degrading act to have taken place. If anyone who saw or sees the video thinks it's entertaining or entertainment, then I pity them. I'm far from a prude, but what took place is nothing short of unacceptable behaviour. Uh, and that's one text from Mary. I received an email um, from somebody who was actually there. Uh, and I'm not going to go through the details of it. It involved more than one woman, but it was videoed. Somebody videoed it with their phone and then put it up online. And, you know, like uh, that's not always the way to go, filming things like this. I mean, you could say, OK, it was in a public public bar but everybody was adult. Everything was consensual in there. And, it, and incidentally, why don't we get as worked up about, you know, men who go and have, have strippers at events or men who go to lap dancing clubs? But apparently, uh, is, th- is that different? Uh, anyway, she says, and she was there, she says, I'm sure by now you've received an amount of videos, emails, WhatsApps and other messages. I'm asking that you do not put any content of the videos up on your page. No, I would never do that. Uh, as to many people uh, are in, uh, anyway, it says, do not put any content of the videos up on your page as too many people are in a bad way. Uh, as the strippers, where the people joined in, 
and then stupid people took videos and sent them around. It's traumatising for those involved and it was all about just having a bit of fun for Little Women's Christmas. Men go out, nothing is ever put on about men. Uh, Women go out and everyone knows. Why? Because men take videos and send them around. As a woman, I firmly believe that when it's a woman's night out, no men should be allowed in. Uh, And also, the same strippers were in a bar across the road. Nothing came out of that bar. So what I'm saying is, uh, is uh, there's an investigation going on about what was done with the videos. So anyone sharing these videos needs to stop. Please, Neil, don't give out my details because I'm very annoyed. But what's going on? And it's the Harp Bar again. Uh, so please, I don't want my details or my name or email going out there or indeed the video. So that's from a person that was actually there on the night. Um, I won't say any more about, you know, her being there on the night because, as I say, she's asked me not to. But contacted the Harp Bar this morning because people were saying, why aren't you talking about it? Why haven't you been on to them? There was a stripper in the Harp Bar for Women's Little Christmas and they came back and said, um, I was asked, or at least the Harp Bar was asked by the majority of the female customers, would I get a male stripper for them for Women's Little Christmas? That's all I have to say on the matter. Also, there were other bars in the area on the night. Have you contacted them? Um, By the way, I also have a defibrillator being fitted outside today for the local community. Would you not be better off talking about that? It's a lot more important. So that's that's a fairly curt response from the harp who are clearly annoyed that I would even be bringing it up. In spite of the fact that I'm I'm not as incensed as others about this. I, I mean, I'm assuming that those that were there and were cavorting and dancing and doing their thing with the stripper felt okay about it the next day, you know, in the cold light of day. But other than that, I understand that, you know, you can't be having one rule for men and one rule for women and then screaming and roaring when it's women. But anyway, that's just my own thought. Um, Others are suggesting there's an issue of consent there, but, you know, that's for another day. But your thoughts are welcome on it. Um, Text 086-8104-106. I've certainly followed up on it, and I said I would. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Back to something I mentioned earlier on this morning, and that is the state of the NCT. On one hand, the pass rates, and the other hand, trying to get a goddamn test in the first place. Just a quick call this out of 11. Dara, good morning. Well, Neil, how are things? I'm good, my man. Have you got a date, or what's the deal? I have finally got the, t- the car passed. Uh, the test was up in March last year. Uh, it's, t- it's over 10 years old, so I have to do it every year now. But I went about booking it in January. I was told the earliest date was in August. You, so in January last year, you booked it for a year. test in March of last year. And you only I just got it done now. Yeah. I had to reschedule it through no fault of my own. Uh, the next date to get me was November, just gone. Uh, put it in. It failed on the most ridiculous reason I've ever seen. Uh, there was a two-inch uh, transparent sunstrip on the car, and it had passed with it previously. And for some reason, on the day, the man decided I wasn't going to pass this time. Is that so a sunstrip on your windscreen, is it? Yes, yeah. So why wouldn't you um, just pull it down from there and then, gone and job done? Oh, well, you have to retest it. So you have to come back in and give them the, the 29 euro or whatever For the, for the sun strip? Yeah. No, it's a physical um, thing. You just remove it, no? That would... Yeah. Yeah, no, but you can't do it on the day. You'd have to come back and get it done the next day. But it, apparently they're too busy. 
But hang on a second now. So if you eventually pass now, your yes. NCT disc is only valid for three months. Exactly. <sighs> and I went to book it. Uh, I think the second, the file, the test that actually passed it was early in December. I booked it straight away and the earliest date is May next year. So you have a three-month so NCT. Well, you stopped yeah. over them 10 or 12 months. No, no nine luckily months. Luckily enough. Luckily enough, I wasn't. But now, I the Garda Shikon have said that if you are stopped with an out-of-date NCT disc and you pro- you can prove you have an appointment, you're all right. Yes. Well, hopefully so, because I'd hate to be left at the side of the road. I mean, we need NCT tests. We're told that Definitely. they're... You know, like, so if we need them, please provide us with the service so people aren't waiting seven, eight, and nine months. That's what I mean. Like, this is no fault of our own. This is out of our control. We can't do anything about it. Even my wife's car, uh, she has a lovely new Audi and brought it in for its first test and it failed on emissions. Basically, a brand new car failing on emissions. I don't know how that works. All right. I'm sure we get other calls and texts like this. Uh, it's in yeah. a bad state. It seems like a perfect storm for everything in Ireland at the moment going wrong, yeah. doesn't it? Everyone seems to be under pressure, uh, whether it's getting staff or meeting deadlines or anything. Yeah, um, but but the, the people who run the NCT have a contract to provide the service. Yeah. So why are they providing it? Yeah. They can't get mechanics, apparently. Apparently so. And another thing I can't understand is how they're open so long. They're open late most evenings and Saturday and Sunday and they still can't get through the back. Well, what if they were 24-7? Would people take a car for an NCT at three in the morning? I don't think so. All right. Okay. No. All right, my man. Thanks, Dara. That's just a typical example. He's got an NCT disc now that's only valid for the next three months. Your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show Don't forget, text uh, who you are and where you are and why you deserve one of our boxes of donuts for our Monday munchies to start the week off with Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street They make delicious donuts Check them out yourself uh, and every week we give away a box of it so you have to tell us as to why you deserve our box of donuts for today, Monday Text 0868104106 And also, between now and midday I hope to get some first date calls and emails on the air. Roy and Teresa's first date, as you heard on the Tommy Tiernan show, wasn't the greatest. She didn't want to go for a drink. She didn't want to go to the pictures because she'd been to the pictures the night before. So they didn't do anything at all. And the first date was a disaster. So just wondering whether other things that Roy could have suggested, or indeed maybe Teresa should have suggested. It all worked out well in the end. I'm curious as to your first date disasters. Text 0868104106. Best one will get you into the final on Friday for a trip to two, and it could be a romantic trip to two, for two nights in Paris, courtesy of Vueling. Airlines uh, and Cork Airport. So, you will get return flights for two, accommodation in Paris, all provided. You'll even be allowed to park the car for free at Cork Airport. You'll spend time in the Aspire Lounge, 
and then on to the Vwelling flight to Paris Orly. So text on that, text 0868104106. On the NCT, we have listeners all over the world. Here in Sweden, you have until a specific date to get your NCT done. When that date passes and you haven't done it, you get a message from the relevant authorities saying your vehicle is now banned from the road and only valid to be driven to an NCT centre only. So the day after your NCT is out of date and you're stopped by the Copperoonies, they could, or the Swedish police, they would would just seize the vehicle. Um, But would that happen here? I don't think so. You'd get a stern warning. But even at this stage now, with an eight or nine month delay in some cases for an NCT test, is it that there are no delays in Sweden? Just to let you know, if your NCT is out, you can put your car on a priority list and you'll get an appointment in two weeks' time. There's no excuse to drive without an NCT at all. Um, You can call them and get an earlier one if you're lucky. I think the priority, though, is only for people who specifically drive vehicles that might be used by the public. Isn't it true? Or might be medics or doctors or nurses or whatever. Um, I rang the NCT last week. I got an appointment for February 21st. Okay, but before you rang them, what was the appointment date? I bet it was way off in the distance. Uh, the NCT backlog is entirely of Aplus making. Aplus have the contract. Their continued policy of backdating the NCT to the date of first registration is of no use to anyone other than Aplus to make sure they're getting their money every year. How does an arbitrary date 10 years ago bear any relevance on the roadworthiness of a car today? We're in a situation where the minute you drive out of the NCT centre, you need to book your next test because you're likely to have a six-month test window. I've challenged the RSA on this and they say that that's the way it is. They cite the EU regulations, but nowhere in the regulations does it state the test has to be backdated. Uh, As in, if the test is nine months late and you eventually get it, the cert should then be for 12 months and not the remaining three months. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. But why is it this way? One of the main reasons is a chronic shortage of mechanics. Jimmy Donoghue is the spokesperson for Mechanics Association of Ireland, joins me by phone. Jimmy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks what? for having me. Thank you for taking the call, because I know you're, you're overseas, so thanks for taking the time. What's going on? <laughs> is it that we just haven't got enough mechanics, Jimmy? Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head, uh, Neil. It's, there's, a, it, there's a chronic shortage of mechanics, and there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, the pay and conditions in the industry have been very, very low compared to other trades for a long, long time. And it's a situation that we've been warning uh, the government about for a long time and campaigning on. There's a, there's a lack of reg- regulation in the industry, and therefore it, there's a failure to attract uh, potential apprentices into the trade. When apprentices consi- is considering, or a p- potential ap- apprentices are considering what career he's going to um, uh, go into, he's, uh, he's going to look and compare the trades and he's going to see that the uh, uh, paying conditions for mechanics is an awful lot lower than it is for electricians. Okay, but how plumbers. much lower, for instance? So you get your trade, you do it, and you serve your time as an apprentice. You become a fully-fledged mechanic with the trade. How is that comparing to a carpenter or a plumber, for instance, an electrician? Right, well, electricians and plumbers have a sectoral employment order which sets minimum rates of pay. So the minimum rate of pay, I believe, I think, for an electrician is about €24 Euro per hour. 
Um, and that's a legal minimum rate. There's no such legislation in place for mechanics. So the, it, it varies from from area to area and garage to garage. So a mechanic in Dublin or Cork City might be earning more than a mechanic in a regional area. Um, and it would it will vary then again once um, you from a main dealership to a, um, a small independent garage. Um, but... Um, myself, I was earning about thirty grand a year um, before I, before I finished up in the trade. Um, when you compare that to a, a plumber and electrician, it's an awful lot lower. It's it's dramatically lower, but yet the safety of yeah. our cars are paramount. And and that's the that's that's the worrying thing because the NCT now uh, with at the behest of Atlas and the RSA are employing unqualified and inexperienced testers to carry out testing of vehicles with no, with no experience, and it's going to put uh, road users at risk. Um, tort, uh, uh, road fatalities reported last year, and the RSA should be looking at regulating the trade, not further deregulating the trade. Okay, so that's impacting on everybody who's trying to get their car serviced as well as people trying to get an NCT, is it? It is. It is. The 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 situation it's it's much broader than the NCT. It's 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 a situation where it's 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 a problem across the whole trade, and the, the NCT is just. The, or I believe Atlas, this company subcontracted by the NCT, are taking advantage of the situation and the lack of regulation. They've made enormous profits over the last few years, and they're. They're refusing to pay the mechanics uh, a, a decent and fair wage, which which would attract um, mechanics into the trade and into the test centres. We, we we know of people who are applying for jobs, mechanics, qualified mechanics with plenty of experience, who are applying for jobs and not receiving a response. So we believe from that this Aplos, is profiteering from Aplos. From Aplos. All right, but but I read in the Independent the then that they're bringing mechanics in from Philippines. They are, and I've spoken to them myself, and we've no problem with people coming in from overseas when there's a genuine problem, uh, when there's a genuine shortage. But we believe it's profiteering, and and the problem is that it's going to undermine the wages and the conditions of the qualified testers because these new unqualified testers are are, are allowed to carry out two thirds of the testing. Yeah, can um, I just get you to explain that to me? There are different sections to the test that don't need a mechanic for all of them. Is that right, Jimmy? That's right. There's three stages to the test, and I believe that the first two stages can now be carried out by uh, inspection support personnel. Um, this is a new category of tester, which um, which was uh, recently introduced, and they are not required to have any prior qualifications. And the third one then is actually where the mechanic gets under the hood, is it? Where the mechanic and and it, where the mechanic gets under the hood, carries out the uh, final stage of testing, and hands over the vehicle uh, uh, to the customer. But they're they're expected then to comment and and uh, um, hand over the vehicle to the customer um, without any knowledge of what has gone on beforehand. So it's it's going to put ve- ve- road safe, road users at risk. So. Where we're at right now is that people who, and I know in the case of, say, for instance, my own daughter who booked her test in December and was given a date for May, but she has also told me of friends who got a date for July or August. So they now need to ring the NCT and they'll get an earlier date. I know this is not within your remit, but if you make a call, you'll get it faster by all accounts. Um, but 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 where are the guardy in all of this then when they stop cars with with well, out of date NCT discs? 
Well, it's going to fall back on the road user and the, the person driving the vehicle and the insurance companies. So, like, our goal is to raise awareness about this situation and and uh, inform road users that, that they're going to be liable for any accidents that occur uh, due to the fact that their vehicle hasn't been tested or um, isn't roadworthy. But I did read also, and I know I had a text there where this just would not happen in Sweden, for instance, but they're saying that in Spain they have a seven-month backlog as well for their equivalent to the NCT. Is that because of a lack of a pre- of mechanics coming into the trades? Well, I, I can't I can't comment on Spain. Um, we, we are bring uh, the NCT are bringing in mechanics from Spain, which might be um, which might be a, a, um, adhering to their to their issue there. But um, um, it, it is it, it it seems to be a problem worldwide. Also, I did hear yesterday um, you had a, a little contribution to the news at one on on RTE, but they were, they were given some statistics actually yesterday. If I can pull them up and find where they were, well, they were talking about the amount of cars that are driving around at the moment without an NCT. I think it's is the figure three hundred thousand without a valid NCT, sir. Yeah, I believe so, and it's shocking because we're hearing stories over and over again that people can't get their cars into the NCT to get tested and ensure that they're roadworthy. And I also came up with another figure from that conversation yesterday, said that last year there were 85,000 no-shows for an NCT. That's unforgivable, isn't it? People crying out for a date. I think it's passing. Look, I think it's passing the book. This is natural. This this has always been the situation. Um, uh, nothing has changed in regards of um, people getting their uh, vehicles tested. Uh, the issue is a long-term and uh, unprecedented uh, lack of mechanics uh, in the trade and the fact that uh, mechanics are not being attracted into the trade. Um, I think it's an excuse and it's, it's passing the book. So what's going to be done to try and reverse that so that more people who want to take up a trade get paid properly and become mechanics? Well, look, there's a, there's a couple of things that can be done, and there's no easy fix. It's not there's no short term solution. But we we believe the tra- trade needs to be regulated. We need to sh- ensure that um, mechanics are qualified, because there's nothing stopping anybody opening up a garage and working on a customer's vehicle for profit uh, without qualifications. And we believe that needs to change, and that will ensure security uh, in the in the job. We also believe there needs to be uh, an SEO put in place. But how can that be? How can that be? An electrician wouldn't be able to do that without proper certification. No, that's right. I mean, he adds on the radio for, with Daniel O'Donnell that state that uh, it's illegal for a gas fitter to be employed to work on um, um, gas fittings within the home of a person. But yet there's nothing in place uh, uh, for, for um, mechanics. And it's something we've been campaigning on for many, many years. And uh, there just isn't the will within the government to do anything about it. Okay. Do you think this is going to get a hell of a lot worse before it gets better? It is. It's it's going to get a hell of a lot worse. And we've been we've we've warned the government about it. We've written to them on many occasions. We've written to the RSA, and and we've just been ignored. All right. Listen. Thanks for taking the call, Jimmy. Do appreciate it. We're a lot wiser this morning following your words, Jimmy Donoghue, spokesperson for the Mechanics Association of Ireland. Can't get mechanics. A lot of it has to do with rates of pay, and when people who want to trade look at the trades. They're inclined to go elsewhere within the trades and not to become mechanics. But 300,000 cars are driving with an out-of-date NCT right now and long delays for those trying to get an appointment. 85,000 people were no-shows last year. And let's just dwell on that. That meant that 85,000 people who didn't show up for their test denied other drivers who would have turned up 
a much sought after slot. So we hear about that a lot within our health system appointments that people don't turn up for. Happens with the NCT as well. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. Lots of texts on different topics this morning. Let me just stay with this one. My understanding, a moment of correction on this now, is that every car that's four years old or older needs an NCT. Every car that's 10 years old or older needs an NCT every year. A moment of correction that private cars must undergo a roadworthiness test when they are four years old and they get it for two years. And every two years then, when the car reaches 10 years old, you have to get the test done annually. At 30 years then, they revert to every two years. And if the car is 40 years or older, no more tests are needed, which is weird in a way that the car could be 41 years old and never need an NCT. It's kind of a bit of a gamble there. There's a bit of risk going on with a 41-year-old car, I would have thought. But does anybody think that four years is way too young a car to have to do an NCT? Do you, I mean, I know I understand the importance of road safety and that it'd be mechanically in top condition. But is, is it just a bit of a stretch, four years? I mean, would it not be seven or six or seven or eight? But it's four. Anyway, your thoughts on that are also welcome. But I have to say that for every story, we have the opposite to it. And Marie's experience was no delay whatsoever. Marie, good morning. Hi, how are you doing, Neil? Good. And, and it's important to hear these as well. So you did you apply online first? No, I I avoid that because I found in the past that applying online is, is the slowest way of going about it. I always ring the centre in Dublin and I find generally that you tend to get a, a, an appointment fairly soon that way. When so, when is your disc up? Well, basically I'm looking after my son's car. He went to Canada last summer for two years and I noticed last week that his, his, his disc was up on the 4th. So of January, okay. Of January, which I think was Tuesday. Right. So I rang on Thursday and just straight away when I rang up, she said, oh, I have an appointment in Little Island on Sunday. Can you make that? How so does that happen? Do they free up cancellations or do they find new slots or what? I have no idea. It must have been just the look at the draw on the day. I just probably rang at the right time. And she had an appointment yesterday morning at 10 to 12. And, uh, and the 06 Yaris passed. And the dear, dear, dear six, uh, Yaris passed. I didn't even get a service. You I did nothing whatsoever. You didn't I check did the tires, no service, nothing. It's, off you. it's been sitting outside my drive since last June. Um, I've driven it once a week. And yeah, I just brought it along the past. Isn't it amazing <laughs> that when you pick up the phone then, everything changes and you got it within it four days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I do generally find that you, you tend to do much, much better by phone than you do online. Yeah, but if everybody is aware of that, everybody's going to be phoning and it'll probably end up screwing <laughs> it up even more. Possibly, possibly. And tell me, possibly, do you mind me yeah. asking, your son is one of so many that left Ireland. Did you say Canada he went to? He's gone to Canada for two years, yeah. He's, he's, he's a doctor and he's, he's gone to Canada for two years training. Oh, so, he's yeah. finished training he's, there. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah. finishing training. He's not. He's not quite. He's not quite part of the the brain drain. But yeah, he's a doctor that's gone for two years training. Um, he's doing a fellowship in Canada and. And have many of his pals done the same? I'm just curious. Um, yeah, yeah. Most of them have to really. They have to go somewhere to to just finish the specialist training. He's he's specialising in paediatrics, so he got a a good opportunity in a, in a in a hospital in Canada. I know, in Toronto. I know, I know, in Toronto. So okay, so, so he so, wasn't. So, so, so I'm, Christmas. I'm car, I'm car sitting for two years. Your car sitting and missed him at Christmas, I'd say. 
Oh, very much so, very much so. Yeah, we did indeed. All right, Marie. Listen, thanks for that story. So pick up the phone and make a huge difference. Can I just add one other thing too? We we lived in the UK for many years and the system there, I feel, is something that could work a lot better here if we were to bring it in. In the UK for the MOT, you bring your car to the local garage to get it MOT'd. So basically, most garages, most regular garages are qualified garages to do the, the equivalent of our NCT. Whereas so here, of course, it is a contract to a company called Aplus. Now, I believe that there is a dispute now being raised between the government, or maybe it's the RSA, and Aplus because they are not delivering the service that they're contracted they're to do. No, no. Whereas if, if it was if it was garage based at your local garage in your local town, you wouldn't have the constant wait to get an appointment. And then if you bring your car along and there's something wrong and you're getting it, um, you know, MOT or NCT in your local garage, they can fix anything that might be wrong and so, you can get it passed on the day. And your local garage gives you your MOT cert. That's right. Oh, it's so straightforward, isn't it? It's so straightforward. It works brilliantly because what we used to do when we lived there was we'd book the car in for a service plus an MOT. And so basically they would service it, they would MOT it, and if there was a problem, they'd fix it on the spot, probably with a phone call to you first, and you picked up your car in the evening and everything was done. No backlogs like the NCT system there, so... Oh no, my God no. Almighty, it makes perfect so sense I, to me. I think, I, I think that's the sensible way forward, really. Thanks, Marie. Thanks for the call. Appreciate no, it. Very, very annoyed much. about how you can go online, Neil, to book, and it tells you five months. That's the closest date, closest date. But yet, when you ring, you can get it done within a week to a fortnight. What's the point in having an online system if that's the case? And the guards are no more lenient with the NCT on cars even though everyone is well aware of the issue. No, they are. If you can prove that you have a booking and you have the paperwork or a copy of it, you're all right. The guard is going to get it like they know it's not of your making. I mean, what the guard is going to probably have a bigger problem with is the amount of people that are rolling over their L licenses, their learner licenses. Some people are on learner permits for 20 years and longer. I heard recently at the weekend that some people have like on their 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th learner. The cops stop you like that and you've got no one in the car with you and you're on a learner permit. They will get very serious about that. My NCT was up in August 2022. So in June, I went online looking for an appointment and I could only get one in November in Cork. Uh, so I ended up going to Killarney in July instead. I had a crash a few years back and my insurance wouldn't cover me if the NCT was out. Luckily, it was in date. I've been vigilant to not allow it ever expire since. Well, you were lucky, weren't you? You cut it fine because it would have been up in August, but you managed to get it done in Killarney in July. It's amazing when you get it done and they backdate it, isn't it? To me, it's only as good as the date it's tested. It's their fault that we can't get it done when it's due. My car passed on the day, so it should start on the day it passed. I agree. If there is a delay of months and months and months and months to your NCT test, then you should get the 12 months cert or the two years, whatever it is, from the date that the car was tested, not backdated. Not back. That's why you end up with a cert that could only be three months old. I booked today, Neil, and the earliest date I could get in Cork is the 30th day of June. Do me a favor, texter. Ring now. Ring the NCT and see what date you get over the phone. I bet you it'll be a lot sooner than the 30th of June. I'm not due till later in the year, so I'm grand, but it's a disgrace for anyone trying to get an appointment soon. Don't kid yourself. I don't see it being any different later in the year for you. I booked on Tuesday night, got a test for Friday in Little Island. Literally three days. 
Go online at different times of the day. Keep refreshing it and you will get a sooner date. And one then, backing up what Marie said regarding uh, the MOT in the UK. You should be able to swap a UK MOT to an NCT like you used to be able to do. There are loads of newly registered cars waiting for unnecessary NCTs and it would free up all of the appointments. It's a pure money racket. These would be cars with MOTs that need to be flipped and tested for NCTs. I went to book last month and the next date I could get was May. I went on the cancellation list and I got it for the end of last month. So there's all sorts of different ways of doing it. You shouldn't have to do it though, but uh, cancellation lists is one way. Picking up the phone is another. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Colin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Uh, have you an NCT story for us? I have an NCT story. Before I get on to can I just go back to what the last callers were talking about, the booking, right? Yeah. Um, I came back from Spain in May. Now, my, my car was due uh, an NCT in October. Yeah. So I said, and I always like to get it uh, uh, serviced uh, NCT'd early. So I went down in May to look for some date in, in July or August or September. You know, you can get it three months in advance. And on the, on, on the online booking system, the nearest date I could get was in October, which is about five months away. Right. Why so would you I want phoned, to get it done early, though? You've paid for a 12-month cert. Uh, well, well, yeah, but the, the, when, you, when you get it done early, the new cert uh, carries on from the... the, the, the uh, it becomes like 15 cert. months, okay. okay. 15 months, All yeah, right. exactly. Okay. Exactly, okay. exactly. Okay. Okay. But anyway, I phoned them up, sure, and next day I get, I get uh, an appointment for July. You phoned and, them, and uh, it, when did you phone them? I phoned them when, when, back in May. Uh, when, I went on, when I went online, I was looking for a date from, from July onwards, because if you get it done more than three months in advance, it kind of resets the date. Okay, okay. You only get 12 months, right? But if you do it within three months in advance, uh, the, the expiry date is 12 months from the... Oh, the new one is 12 months from the old one, if you, if you follow. I'm trying to follow. Right. I thought it failed. Uh, well, this is, def- yeah, this is, this is the other story. I'm, I, this is what I said to your researcher there, right? Um, my wife's car went in for, a, in, in for an NCT last week, right? And it failed. What did it fail oh, on? Failed on? It failed on brakes, Neil. Now, I'm looking at its search here now, and, and the, the, park, the, the service brake performance came out at 93%. Right now, if it's if it's if it's less than fifty five percent, it's a fail. So it was a long way way better than than the, than the margin. So why would it fail with a ninety three and the pass rate's fifty five? Explain. Well, that you me. see, in the visual defects, then some mechanic or whatever he was put down insufficient contact between the brake pad and the disc. Now that's that's actually contradictory because. There couldn't be insufficient contact between the pad and the disc if it was showing up in 93% efficiency. And the pass rate, you're sure, is 55% for brake pads? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the brake performance pass rate is 55%. Is there an oh, instruction sorry, from the operators of the NCT for mechanics to do visuals on brakes and, if at all possible, fail on them? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, that's the question, isn't it, Neil? I mean, you know, like, the 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 the, the brake performance will fail if it's less than fifty five percent, right? The brake performance on this car came out at ninety three percent. Yes, some some fellow looking at it decided that 
There, there, there wasn't enough a contact between the pad and the disc. Well, 53% so is well. Well, the, the, the computer said 93. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'll take it on board. Let's see if we have others like that. Um, I think actually, did that happen to you, Kevin? Yeah, exact same thing happened to me. I took my car into the NCT and uh, first time around, it, uh, well, I failed on a couple of things. One of the things is I forgot to take the wheel caps off. You have to. Yeah, yeah, it was my own misunderstanding. But one of the things that failed, one of the, other than that, it it failed on a brakes. But when I looked at, so I took it to a mechanic before I went to the NCT. This is a guy I trust very much, and he said, "Look, we're all good to go." I ran it through my own machine, and the NCT has his own testing thing. He said, "Look, you're good to go." So when it failed, I came back to him with the cert and was like, "What's going on here? Why did they fail?" He actually said to me. Uh, that's that's actually passed on the machine, but they've discretionary failed it. So huh? I said, what's, "What's the point of the what machine?" Is, that, that's exactly what I said to him, and he said, "They're they're pretty much above the law inside there. That they they just they they don't really answer to anybody, and there's no kind of overarching." Like I I NCT the car there last year. They were fantastic in Little Island. One guy yeah. said to me, "One of the tires inside wall of the tire." Is getting very close. If you if you don't do something with this in the next few months, it's going to be dangerous, and you won't pass next time. Um, that's that's an advisory. Yeah, you should have got an advisory. No, I, yeah, I got it. I got it. What was the discretionary fail on my brake? Right. So then, mechanic, my mechanic said, "Don't do anything to the car. Rebook the test. Bring it back in." You can see where this is going. Did it pass? Pass straight away? Not oh, a problem. Oh man, how does that so, make you feel, Colin? I tell you, Neil, it's, it seems to be a lottery. So. Like, I, I don't know do these guys, I mean, I've heard it on their programme now already this morning, are they even trained mechanics? Do they know what they're looking at? Now, one of the features of the car that I sent in there to my wife's car, right, it was in for a service before Christmas, and it actually got new pads fitted at the front, right? Now, these pads can take a while to bed in, and maybe that's, that's the, some of the story. And was the new Which pads that failed? It was the new pads that oh, failed, yeah. Oh, man, I don't now, know. But, it, but I you see, the, as, as your listener is saying there now, like, the, the brake test performance came out at 93%. 93, yeah. I mean, if you hit the brakes, then you'll be out for the windscreen. Yeah, I know, right? I know. It's a discretionary fail. Let your man is saying there's not enough of a contact between the pad and the disc. If there wasn't enough of a contact between the pad and the disc, the brakes wouldn't be working as good as they are. And it wouldn't be showing 93% when they it put it through a computer. It anything like it. All right. Exactly. Okay, thanks, my man. Take care of yourself. Let me go uh, by WhatsApp to Sweden, I believe. I read out a text earlier on from a listener in Sweden, so it's better to chat. Um, that's Ken, isn't it? Ken, good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much. Nice to have you on board in Sweden. You, you had an interesting text regarding the equivalent there. What's the deal? Well, basically, it's just when you uh, you get a notification a few months beforehand and it tells you the, the very last possible date that you get your car in CT for. And then you just go online, uh, pick a time that's suitable. Um, it's very ef- efficient, uh, to be honest. You can, you know, I think the most you can wait would be maybe two weeks. Some, oh sometimes you might get it a day, a day or two afterwards. It depends on, on, on how you want to book it. It comes up on the system and it shows you available times available days and you can pick it that, that kind of suit yourself everything's online so everything's done online in, in, Sweden, is done. in Sweden it's the other way around they get onto you with the date you don't have to go online to find a date you don't have to pick up the phone looking to book uh, no no uh, they send you a notification to say that uh, your the, the end of your NCT is coming up let's say in three months time Yeah. so that's to kind of give you a bit of a reminder so then you go in then uh, online and you look at whatever day is available uh, whatever might uh, work good for you depending on which way you're working 
um, and then you you do your NCT before the end of that date. What happens if you if don't you, do if, it? If you don't, then thank you. Well, if you don't do it, then uh, you get a notification from the, the the transport authorities to say that your car is now banned from the road, and uh, it's only valid to bring it up to an NCT centre. And there's no leeway. That's that's the way it is. It's and very, would you have a lot of traffic police observing that? Uh, well, I suppose it depends on where you are. I'm living a bit more up north. Um, I mean, you, you, you could get away with it, but Swedish people are very law-abiding. Right. Yeah. So they would they would basically just leave their car there until they can get their time booked. But uh, normally, uh, they can get it done uh, fairly quickly. Uh, right. Maybe in, in a day or two, you, you'd contact them and tell them it's an emergency and you, they'd, they'd fix you in within a day or two. It's a disaster here, incidentally, Ken. A disaster. Oh, I know, I know. I hear stories from my home and listen to the radio as well there. And, and can I just ask but, you but, before uh, you go, uh, As yeah, you were saying earlier on there about, uh, about the, the uh, about amount of people who never turned up. 85,000 uh, Here, when you, when you book it, uh, everything is done online and everything is done through your, let's say, your Swedish version of your uh, PRSI number. So you must, if you can't make your date, then you have to um, tell them, uh, go online or rebook it within uh, 24 hours beforehand. Or if you miss it, then you get charged and you, you, you can't miss that charge. Like if you, if they send you out a letter to say that you missed your, your date, uh, now you're being charged, let's say 35 quid or something uh, for missing it then you have to pay that fine because if you don't pay the fine, then it will go, I think you get like one reminder and then after that, then then it goes into, uh, let's say like a debt collector we, and that, get, that gets put against your, your record and everything is online here. So if so you have a bad you record, the, then you're you, Obviously you lose the fee for not showing up, but you also get fined for not showing up. Uh, well, you don't pay until you're actually there. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, you so, pay at so, the counter. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so so you get you get fined, and if you don't pay the fine, then you're in trouble. So what happened? What would happen if you had to pay at booking? I can't tell you. There wouldn't be eighty five thousand people not showing up then. Uh, no, well, there you go. It's uh, you're getting hit in your pocket, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. Just quickly, just before I let you go in Sweden, how's the health? Just short enough answer on this. Health health system here in the HSC is also in shambles. What's it like in Sweden? Uh, it's very good. In fairness, uh, we pay a lot more in tax. I pay about thirty three percent tax on my earnings. But we get an awful lot more for for what we pay. You pay similar and, and tax. Also, to, you it, pay similar tax to the lower levels in Ireland. That's not a lot. No, I pay thirty three percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You find a lot, a lot of people uh, would be paying forty percent here and thirty four percent here. So it's not. Uh, how would you? Yeah, uh, unless, I thought, I thought you know, thirty three percent tax would be welcomed by an awful lot of people here if the services were available, but they're not. But they are oh, it there. Would be. It would be. A- yeah, oh, yeah, all the services are here. The kids, uh, the kids have very good healthcare up until they're eighteen. Everything is free. Childcare is much uh, is much cheaper. Um, yeah, you you get more bang for your buck. Uh, let's say over here. If you rocked into an A and E, would they be looking for a hundred euro off you? Uh, no. Oh my God, Almighty man, I don't know. And uh, appointments, uh, you get appointments fairly quickly. My daughter broke her arm uh, a couple of years ago and got a pin put into her arm and uh, now she, a couple of years later the pin is starting to come out a small bit from her arm so we we, we brought it to the attention of the doctors and uh, they sent off for a, a rebook or to get it redone re-looked at uh, I think that was that was in the summertime and uh, because of COVID and there was a bit, a bit of a backlog and all that kind of stuff uh, now where she's going um, this week now just to go to the hospital to get it double checked and, yeah. and if she has yeah. to get it, I, then, yeah. you know. I mean the lower rate here is 20% the upper rate is 40% you pay what? 
33 for everything. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you taking the call, Ken. Take care. No problem, Neil. All Take the best, easy. my man, by WhatsApp. Let me talk to Patrick, if you don't mind, for the time that's left. Um, see how much I can squeeze in. Patrick's a mechanic. Patrick, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are Th- things? Thanks for holding. Are you a working mechanic? Yes, I am. Okay. You heard earlier on that uh, uh, Jimmy Donner, who represents your trade, says the mechanics are paid really badly by comparison to all of the other trades. Yeah, I suppose a lot of mechanics, um, when they qualify, maybe they qualify through a dealership, um, through a private garage, a lot of mechanics will go out on their own then, and they find that way that they'll probably maybe make more money. Going out on their own, starting their own business, yeah. Exactly so, exactly so. Now, of course, there, there's all the overheads, etc. You may have to hire... Um, a unit to, you know, rent a unit to work out, etc. And then there's all the insurance that goes yeah, with Yeah, and you got to get the car lift, don't you know, sort of things like that? Exactly, yeah. There's, 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 there's thousands there's thousands of investment to to, uh, to go into this. So you need to be serious about it and you have to put a lot of time into it. So did you, you ever apply for a job with the NCT? I did on numerous occasions. Yes, I did. I did. I did. And? and so what happened, and what happened was uh, I would have got an automated message back saying that Thank you for applying. We've we, we received your application, and that is as far as it went. Now, I have also heard this from numerous other qualified mechanics that they have applied and they have had not have heard nothing back. So, there's a, a guy that I would, but I would kind of know in one of the test centres, and I I mentioned to him at one stage that I am. Um, I don't want any names, I, nor the you know oh, any no, kind no, of no, that no, would oh, identify. Oh no, I, 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 no, So you I spoke to a mechanic, that. NCT in cars, yeah. okay? Yes, yes, and what he said to me was that in the test centre that he works in, that they are looking, f- that the manager there is looking to poach mechanics from dealerships, which I said, you know, wow, that's, that's, you know, why is that the case? Because I'm a mechanic and I'm preparing cars for an, an MCT. So if I'm preparing cars for an NCT, I would feel that when I look through a car, I would be fairly satisfied. I can say to my customer that the car needs X, Y, Z, or I'd be happy to let the car through. Apparently, the NCT has increased staff's overtime. Mechanics are working more overtime. They've even relocated employees from its contractor's Spanish operation to come over here um, to work here mm-hmm. because they're desperately short of mechanics, but yet mechanics are applying for jobs like you within the NCT and you're just getting a, sp- a standard thank you very much. Yes, and the other side of it then is that if you ring the NCT and look to speak to somebody in HR, that is not possible. We will ring you back, but that's where it, and, and you know that it, that's where it's going to end. Why do you think there's such a disparity between pass rates as low as forty-two um, okay. percent in Cavan, for okay. instance, and say an example not too far from here, Killarney, sixty yeah. percent, Cork and Blarney, okay. sixty, okay. more close to home, sixty percent in Blarney, sixty, fifty-nine percent okay. Little Island. I'll, I'll, I'll speak, I suppose, from my own experiences. Now, I'm not going to state which test centres uh, that that I have used, um, but what I have found is that. As an example, a suspension arm on a car, okay? Um, all mechanics out there, a lot of people will probably have heard the word your suspension arm needs to be replaced. So as an example, um, a, a customer of mine, um, I, the car was tested, um, we'll just say 13 months ago back roughly, and he came back to me and said the car has failed on the right-hand uh, front suspension arm. Right. So I said, fair enough, you're probably better off to change two suspension arms, do them as a pair. And um, 
he decided he'd buy them himself. So I said, no problem. He bought them. I fit them. Karen back for the test and the car passed. So um, about, so he didn't get, I think he had a nine-month test. So nine months later, tested the car again. Car failed on suspension arms, front suspension arms again. So he said to me, how, how can this, you know, how is this, can this be the way? And I said, look, what I'd advise you do is, you, so he used once one, so initially the car had been tested in one of the tests. Yeah, he just took it to possibly. another. Yeah. And I, I advised him, I said to him, book it in straight away and go to the other one. And he went to the other one and it passed. Bizarre, so, it's bizarre. Yeah, no, and, I, and Neil, I'll give, you, I'll give you another example. I have fitted, um, again, parts to cars and at, by, at the time the next test, that part was failed again. I removed that part and put it aside. And when the car came in with a similar failure, six months down the road, I went, I wanted them there. I wanted them on the shelf. And I, I fit this part again because I know it's six months old and has done approximately 8,000 miles. And the car you refitted it to pass, did it? Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I, like, I mean, okay. I'm not, I'm okay. not taking shortcuts here. I'm not no, no, I mean, you put in a safe part. I'm not disputing that. I wouldn't yeah, be doubting you. And, okay. and, and, but is and, it a case then, because I, I really have to go at this stage, but is it a case okay. that many NCT testers are not necessarily mechanics? Well, I, yeah, well, uh, listening to the show this morning, that's, that's, and when I hear that, 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 that the Atlas are, are, are um, hiring people that aren't qualified. Um, and what I do find as well is that I find, you know, I don't, don't want this to sound wrong uh, or uh, criticizing people, but I find it's the younger testers. I, that's, again, it's, it's from a personal point of view that they seem to fail more than the more mature people. Okay, all right, all right, appreciate that. Can I just that. give you one more? Yep. Can I give you one more example? Very And quick. I'll leave it at that. Um, I find headlamp alignment is another huge one. Uh, I have my own headlamp alignment uh, machine. I know other mechanics, they send the car to a particular... Uh, I find that the failure rate tends to be on in one centre more than the other. On one particular and issue they hone in on. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and, right. and, and that you, you do nothing with it and you move to the other centre and it passes. Okay, thanks for that. Appreciate it, Patrick, a mechanic himself. I'm happy to come back to this tomorrow. Also, if anybody's working with NCT that would like to um, comment, I won't give out personal details. I never will share with anybody. But if you're in the system and working in it and you'd like to share or indeed, you know, bring us up to speed on what it exactly is like, then you can text 0868104106, email neil at redfm.ie. People were suggesting this morning that there were other strippers around on Friday night for Women's Little Christmas and amongst them, Noel Murphy's Pub. So we got on to them and they came back in fairness. They said, how are you? Yes, indeed. We did have a male dancer on Friday evening in the bar. It's something we've done on previous occasions and always have had great fun with Women's Christmas. The bar made the booking on request of a lot of women in the bar and we were happy to oblige the women. The night itself went off without any incident and everyone, men and women, had a great night. I can't comment on any other bar or other videos, unfortunately. I can only comment on what had happened here ourselves. Thanks a million. Happy New Year to you all. And that's from Elaine at uh, Noel Murphy's bar. Of course, the, nothing of this would be discussed at all if somebody hadn't been sharing the videos or it might have been Facebook Live. Um, mind you, Jim Murphy says, let me express my opinion on the Harp Bar, please. Everything brought up on your show has been nothing short of bitterness and bias and negativity. Let me give you a few of the more positive things that you never, ever get to mention. Uh, one, the toy appeal set up by Anya to benefit children in need. 
Two, the much-needed charitable events to help various and badly-needed charities who put their lives at risk every day. Three, the fitting of a defibrillator for the community by the Harp Bar. Four, making sure the most vulnerable of patrons were looked after personally over the Christmas period. Five, the control of student events and be commended by the superintendent for their professionalism at the Harp Bar. I hope you get to share this. Happy to do so, Jim. Thank you for that to Jim Murphy. Um, I, I didn't get my underwear in as big a twist as a lot of people about the strippers, to, to be honest with you. I'm not, you know, making up excuses for it. I'm just following the stories and people who got in touch with me, uh, each to his own. But sauce for the goose should be sauce for the gander, I suppose. Back after these. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Uh, I wish there was more time, guys. Uh, there isn't. So it'll be Paul in the morning and Anne as well. And the other text for first date disasters. All this started with Teresa and Roy's first date. Um, but I explained all that earlier on. So the best first date story, particularly if it's a disaster and went all wrong, gets you into the final on Friday for a trip to two, for two, to Paris with return flights for both of you, accommodation, hotel accommodation in Paris, free car parking at Cork Airport. You'll stay in the Aspar Lounge in Cork Airport before your flight. Very posh. And that's courtesy of Welling Airlines. They fly twice weekly from Cork Airport direct to Paris or Lee. So I'll only get one on this morning. So let's make it a good one. Denise... Hi. You had been friends for a while. Um, tell me the rest. Yeah. yeah, tell me the rest. So we were friends for a while and like we we were planning on making a move every now and then but we were both kind of too shy. Right. So uh, we uh, went camping one night. And with like other we, friends? Was it a bunch you went? There was a good load of us. Yeah, a good load of us. But like when we used to go camping, we'd stay in cars and things like that, you know. So we went camping and the guards came down to ourselves and took all our details and stuff like that. But as the guards were there, there was another man came over and mobbed into his car. Basically, long story short, he was arrested for drink driving. Thought it was Whoa. us. That ratted on him. Yeah, the guards were there with us, but he got arrested. Hold on a second. So you went camping a whole bunch of you. You had your drinks and everything as you do and had a good laugh. The guards yeah. arrived. For what reason? They just got called, obviously, that there were young people in the area and things like that. So in case anything happened, they came down to take all our details, right. the car registrations, in case there was any drama. But in the meantime, they saw this fellow walking from the pub into his car in the car park and they, they arrested him. Right. He was later released, unknowns to us. We were all going to sleep in the cars and things at this stage with our blankets and stuff. And he came the back cars? Why didn't you sleep in intense woman? Because the cars were warmer. Okay, all right, okay, I'm with you. Okay. And he came back basically and shot my partner. Shot? Yeah, shot with a double barrel shotgun. Denise. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Yeah, That's... I can laugh now. That was 18 years ago. And you're in the car with him? Yeah, there was, an, there was about six of us in the car. You're 17, he's 18. I was 17, he was, was your 18. first date, your first mm-hmm. snog, I suppose, was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy comes and over with a, the... off, with a shotgun. Double barrel shotgun, yeah. What? Uh, and then, like, we rang the ambulance. We were down by Robert's Cove, but we threw my partner into a car. I wrapped his arm up in a jumper. I just wrapped it in a jumper and tightened it. But the people that was bringing him to the hospital to meet the ambulance, they were from Kerry, so they kind of got lost on the way and things like that. Oh my but God, how long ago was this? That was in 2005. You must have been absolutely, never mind him being shot, but you're in the seat next to him. I, yeah, I was lying on his chest with my legs going across the passenger seat. God almighty. Yeah, I mean, but look, we live to tell the tale. He's, but he survived. 
He did, yeah. Now, first they thought they were going to have to amputate his arm, but when they actually went into the surgery, they were able to save it. Um, no, it's not, obviously. If you've seen pictures of it now, it's not the way that it should be, obviously. Uh, no, oh, no, I, I won't be able to dwell on this, but I'm assuming there was a serious guard investigation into all oh, of this. Oh, there was. There was a big high court case and everything into My it, My yeah. God almighty, talk about yeah. a first date. But now, 18 years later, we're married, we have two kids. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a jail for the grandchildren. If you can survive that start, you'd survive anything. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> that's incredible. Straight oh into Friday, straight into Friday's final for a, an opportunity to maybe <laughs> win yourself it. What's your and what's your partner's name? Patrick. Well, if if nobody can beat that for a first date, you could okay. well be heading to Paris. The two of you. Fingers crossed. We could do with it. Isn't that an amazing story? Oh my God. Thanks so it is much. looking back on it now. Thanks so much for sharing. It's traumatising for both of you. It's wonder you ever recovered from it. I know, I know. But you're lucky. Your health is your wealth and we live to tell the tale and we have two healthy kids and things like that. So. That to me now is, is the good. most far out first date I've ever come across. Let's see what the rest of the week brings. Thanks, Denise. Stay listening. No Cheers, girl. Thank you. Lines Bye. Lines will stay Bye. open. Bye. You can text 0868104106 with your own first date stories the good the bad and the disastrous now for offbeat donuts I'd love the box of donuts I fixed my son's sink that was leaking all over the kitchen on Friday night so I did then on Sunday I moved my mother-in-law's car alone I pushed it down the park to move my car in front of it to jump start it I moved that car all by myself mind you and I fixed it stupid I know and now as a result my back is absolutely killing me. I'm working from home. Um, could you please send me pity donuts? And that's from Kate, who pushed the car all on her own. I'm quite sure that women are just as capable of pushing cars as men, I suppose. But that's the winner for today. There are other texts, actually, from other people regarding the, the uh, weekend events as to why they should win the donuts. But this week's uh, donuts, pity donuts for Kate and the family. Fair play to you. You're a plumber and a car mechanic and also uh, a weightlifter and lots more besides. So, donuts on the way to you from Offbeat Donuts on French Church Street. Our lines will stay open, lads. Text 0868104106, particularly with regards to this morning's topics. And more to the point, if you'd like to be in with a chance of winning a trip for two to Paris for two nights, uh, courtesy of Vueling Airlines, then share your first date stories. Email neil at redfm.ie. Text 0868104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.